Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.7. You know it's a blowout when James Franklin doesn't even have the chance to do something dumb. It's a great day when two things happen. One is when Michigan gets two holding calls for kicking a guy's ass too badly. And Just this, two? Well, there's two holding calls. <laughs> there, were, there was a lot of ass kicking. But, and then the second thing is that you get a big noon game and you have a take that Joel Klatt didn't already say live on air. Yes. I got one. All right. Joel Klatt missed it, but I don't want to say it right now. Oh, come on. Are you saving? Are you bearing the lead? Yeah. Well, so you are in media. Well, people got to like, we're going to do this segment, and they, they've got to wonder which one, is, which one is the take that I'm Listen to our podcast, where we're going to finally get to something about Clat. Yeah, because the problem that we have is not enough listeners. <laughs> that is the problem that we have. <laughs> Are we helping that or hurting that currently? I, I don't know. Speaking of takes from beyond the grave, we want to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor, or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Homeshare Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M's venue where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers' new show on UFC Fight Pass, and introducing to our podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. So, uh, the subplot of the fourth quarter was whether Michigan will get to 400 yards rushing, and they did, and CJ Stokes almost made it like 450. So that's the kind of game we're talking about. Just there was a hiccup in the second quarter and everybody's like, oh, no, what now? And I'm just like, no, the way this game is going, this is great plane of reasonable expectations. Yeah, that's where it was. So it was just like this. I mean, unless, nothing game. unless this game completely yeah. flips on both lines of scrimmage. Right. That's where it was won. This is this is only going one way. And all right. So the two long runs. Mm-hmm. This is your clat take. Those are both generated by J.J. McCarthy's legs. So, I mean, the long parts of them. Yeah. Like the first 10 yards are not. The, because, the, because the reason why there isn't a guy <clears throat> right. closing it down at six yards So, is. on the first one, I don't know what the block of the week is, and it's, it's uh, Hayes mm-hmm. getting out on the backside linebacker on, I don't know, it was a pin and pull or something to the, to the boundary. Yeah. I, it was, that was a counter run, I think, is the one you're talking Whatever about. Whatever it was. Uh, either way. <laughs> um. The number one thing that never happens on those runs is you'd never get the backside linebacker because you don't have an angle to him and he takes off. And usually what happens is you just chase the guy and you hope that if the running back cuts back, you can cut that guy off. Mm-hmm. Usually that means that someone else from the interior of the defense is, is rallying and making a tackle. When you get the backside linebacker, all of a sudden everything is in play. Right. And the backside linebacker, one great angle by Hayes, gets out there, harasses the guy. 
this, the kind of thing that you want to get from your tackle who's reputed to be like at the tight end who you convert into the tackle who's super mobile, like Mason Cole stuff. Yeah. So great play by him, but also he can never make that block if the linebacker is decisive. Right. Well, a lot of RPOs are designed specifically for that guy because that's the guy that's well, locked on the backside. So they have an RPO attached to this. It's a, it's a flare screen the other way, and that takes away one of the linebackers – well, one the of safety, the safeties, yeah. yeah. And then that guy is checking J.J. McCarthy. That guy does not know if J.J. McCarthy is going to keep the ball because Michigan in this game debuted the double arc, <laughs> which we'll talk about. They ran a couple of times. And so he's he doesn't know where the ball is. And that little delay gives Hayes the time to get there, harass the guy, and then Edwards is just going to completely dunk on the safety because he's in so much space. And he's so fast. There's just no chance. And then on the quorum one, this one's even more clear because Kalen King is the field side, now the boundary side corner. Mm-hmm. And Blake Corum is three yards downfield and arrowing towards the end zone. And he still thinks McCarthy has the ball. <laughs> yeah. He's running towards the line of scrimmage, towards McCarthy. And slowing up and forming up like you're right. going to get McCarthy. On and, and also, I mean, one of the defensive ends slows up because they don't know if it's going to be an arc again. And when you have opposing defenders concerned about your quarterback and you're doing what Michigan is doing on the line of scrimmage, that's when you get consistent explosives. And that's what Michigan was able to do in this game. Now, uh, I, can't, I can't emphasize how important it is to have that in your run game. Like, McCarthy has 54 yards in this game, right? Yeah. Big whoop. But of the 400 yards Michigan puts up, McCarthy has a role in 200 of them. Easy. Because they're checking him. Because he's taking – because right. there's a defender who's not going hell for leather against the run because he's got to worry about a quarterback. And then, and then you make one mistake, and it's, it's game over. But this is what you've been saying about Andrew Luck since – just before Michigan hired Harbaugh, right? Is like that is the threat that you need to have because yeah. he changes the entire offense. But well, so Luck wasn't it, his own Rikai. Well, but, Luck, but, Luck was he had the athleticism. But you would say that he would pull the ball just enough times, yeah. that the defenses had to be aware of it, or else he would get you for fifty. Well, I mean that was fifteen years ago now. So the, the Luck stuff was was more like okay, we're going to run zone read with Luck, and Luck himself is going to go for sixty yards. Right. This is. 2022 so everybody is much more sophisticated about defending Sone Reed stuff so it's not about J.J. McCarthy ripping off a long run it's about the stress that his legs put on the rest of the defense and also he should have had a touchdown in this game yeah because yeah. two guys don't block the same player. like they like there are two Penn State guys who get sucked in on the arc and they Michigan is now adding two tight ends or a tight end and a wide receiver to make the double arc which is just I love it. You're so happy. I'm so happy about this. I'm so happy about everything that happened on offense in this game. Is it going to burst your bubble if I tell you they ran this last year? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, but, I mean, how many times? Because this was like five or six times in one game. No, I mean, not that one. It was, it was a thing, but like... This was I, like a yeah. game plan kind yeah. of thing. And they get two guys out on one safety, and the safety makes the play. And I'm like... Oh. But I mean, that guy is also the guy that made the play near the end. Yeah, he's, yeah. So, he's, he's a good player. A good but player. also the guy that Donovan Edwards dusted on his long run. Well, yeah, but... I mean, that guy was not... That's an impossible play that's to get just, Donovan yeah. Edwards there. But, I mean... Anyway. So we see everything clicking, and then Michigan dominates them 
man for man on the offensive line, particularly Trevor Keegan. Trevor Keegan kicked so much ass in this game that the refs were sorry and they hit him with a holding call. They're like, that was too mean. Don't do that. For just having but a like, pound Quentin Nelson block. He's, he's going to come in for multiple plus twos in this game. He was moving guys. And one thing that really popped out is that I think Michigan looked at Penn State's tape and they're like, these guys really overplay any kind of gap block stuff. So That was the thing, yeah. One thing you're going to see in the UFR is that there are so many runs that go off the backside of a gap block play where a guy is pressing into where the pullers are going and then he discovers that Penn State has jammed up the point of attack and then it's like, all right, it's cutback time. And usually I don't grade those blocks, but a lot of those are going to come in as grades. And I feel like the consistency with which Michigan was able to hit those cutback lanes, that had to be a point of emphasis all week because it's just really unusual to see those those plays cutback uh, unless you're an NFL team running windback stuff and getting super sophisticated, which Michigan might be getting to that point. But I was – you just look at everything putting together, and it, it, it's – if you're moving guys off the line of scrimmage and then you got Blake Corum bailing you out, Sometimes when there's a free hitter at the line of scrimmage, I mean, you get 400 yards against a team that came in with the number five run defense in the country, which was obviously puffed up by not a lot of good yeah. opposition. I mean, I David, what just happened now is I just got Joel Cladded. This was the t- <laughs> <laughs> this was the take that I came in ready to talk about Sorry. and discuss. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here staring to the abyss as Brian is like oh. going over all the same stuff that I was like I, so uh, excited to be like yes, the <laughs> scratching everything off your notes, just being like, oh my, God, my offensive notes. No. All right, well, no. why don't no. you why don't you pick can, it up then? Uh, can, no, can, just, can I just say, does it make it any sweeter that before the game, Urban Meyer said that there's no way Michigan's going to be able to run the ball in Penn State? Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, usually, that's... he's usually pretty good. Like as analysts go, and like I heard that, and then when I when I did my rewatch, we were going through it. And I was fast forwarding. Craig's like, "Well, let's just go back and see if he actually said it." So we did, and he definitely said. It. And I was like, "This is going to make this all the more fun." Well, yeah. so now you can continue. No, but I, I I can't because Brian just did the whole thing, but. <laughs> I mean, they, there's got to be some the, nuance the I missed. Well, no, but that's that's a thing that we saw in Penn, Penn State's tape. It's something Alex pointed out too: is that their linebackers they'll just go upfield. And yeah, I mean, it's a Manny Diaz defense, so penetration upfield. And when it works, you get the the down G play mm-hmm. where Michigan loses three yards from the two, ends up kicking a field goal. And a couple of the plays near the um, yeah, a couple of the stallouts were just Penn State getting upfield on them, and then there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and that was infrequent. I mean, this was a game where you could get second and ten, and it's like, all right, let's run for a first down. They got so many second and tens in this game, too. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like, I mean, the whole thing was – I mean, how many times has Michigan run for 400 yards in the last 30 years? I'm thinking that Minnesota game in 2017. Yeah, and I was thinking like, that one. There's not a whole lot of others that are readily coming to mind. No, I mean, 300 is something where you're like, oh, my God, we, we absolutely stomped these guys flat. And 400 is just like, oh – why even have to throw the ball? Oh, well, I mean, I feel like a triple option team. No, triple option teams don't get four hundred because they don't run enough plays. And this is even have, this is a fairly short game too. Cause, well, from your perspective, oh my god, <laughs> that first quarter because I, I was surrounded by MGO blog readers and they keep on turning me like you don't have to do this one either. Like, <laughs> like I was, we were high fiving Seth's uh, easy week here. Well, I mean, honestly, Are you took, grave dancing. <laughs> 
I'm no, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, am I going to be like grading, like charting this game and being like, oh no, I'm really sad I have to do this. Right. Like, yeah. Right. No, this, the perfect week is like when Brian has to do a whole bunch of, you know, power run plays that worked and I just get to be like three and out, three and out. Especially on a bye week. Well, this is a good week to have a bye week because I can really put my ass into it. I said that out loud. <laughs> anyway, uh, we should probably talk about the throwing parts of the game, which did exist. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, we had a couple of uh, swing passes from from McCarthy that were errant. Yeah. Which really uh, punctures are this guy is perfect when he doesn't have to go 20 yards downfield. Still pretty close to perfect. Honestly, the Roman Wilson one, I kind of thought that might have been on Roman because yeah. he's, he's pulling him towards the line of scrimmage, which is where he should be going. It was yeah. also low. No, but it was he, he it had, was low because he's supposed to come inside. If he comes, no, inside, I mean the low part is not great, but because yeah. that that kills your momentum because you use all your momentum to bend down and then you catch the ball and you have to stand up. Was, and stand I don't know again. if it was that low, but the one well, to uh, Edwards was. was definitely overthrown, and that was a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. that was three v four out on the edge, and I was like, oh man, that and was... it's Donovan Edwards in space. Right, I was yeah. like, oh man, that was that was an RPS plus two touchdown that just went out the window, which is unfortunate. But he had, he hits that waggle route to. Well, it's not the route, but he hits his waggle deep cross to Johnson that he, picks up like 30 yeah, yards. That was his best throw of the day by far. Uh, well, I mean. He's got so many guys that he can hit there, too. Like, you're yeah. like, okay, there's the guy he can check down to. Oh, there's another guy he can right. check down to. And Oh, no, he wants it all. And the thing it reminded me of was Ty Streets in the Washington State Rose Bowl. Yeah. Where, like, you're just kind of irritated because you're just like, I'm running a waggle again. It's like, oh, what, the, what just happened? So... I don't know how many guys in the country are making that throw. I mean, he's on the run. It's pinpoint. It's 30 yards downfield. I mean, yow. No, that was a very, that was, I mean, his best play of the day. And I, I went through a lot of his plays and I negged him for quite a few. I mean, including the one where he hits Wilson for the first down on the hook route inside the 10. He has Bell on the crosser. That's maybe not a walk-in touchdown, but Bell has to win a race to the pylon and he's Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can neg a guy for that if he's if it's third down and he's converting. Because if your first read's open, you're throwing your first read. But if you kick a field goal later in the drive, maybe you can. Well, but they, I mean, that wasn't that wasn't uh it wasn't on McCarthy's that fault. No, no, I I, under, I understand that. But what I'm saying is like I also kind of wondered how Bell on that cross isn't the primary read. I mean, for whatever reason Maybe it's not for that particular thing. I mean, you, you okay. get a guy wide open in front of your face to convert. I think that's a good play. I, I mean, that was reading what was happening in the game because Penn State was playing Roman Wilson way off. Yes, and they'd already hit him for like three hitches. Yes, yeah, there was one where like they're like 15 yards off of him on second. That court. had to be a bust. Like yeah. I, yeah. I was like, what is going on there? They just declined to cover Roman Wilson. Yeah. Like there had to be a linebacker who's supposed to drop out and just, who just didn't. But in any case, um, Michigan – really avoided those excellent corners Penn State has. Like, when it was Bell, it was Bell coming across. Like, mm -hmm. at no point were any of these guys, like, involved in a shot downfield or able to contest a catch. It was just like, we don't gotta. So we're not going to bother with your excellent corners. It felt a little bit like what Michigan had to deal with when they had all those great corners in, like, you know, 16, 15, 16, 17. Like when they would play multiple Ohio State games and they would never throw to the wide receivers. Or sort of the Washington game last year, too, where like the game plan was just don't, ignore the cornerbacks. Unfortunately, McNamara couldn't throw the ball at all, so they gave up on the other things. But like the other things that they were throwing were just not, they're, they're not attacking the cornerbacks. Well, and when you do that with a guy who can't move, it's a lot easier to shut you down. <laughs> yeah. And this, That's true. this game is just like, 
you can be expecting run and they can stress you out and it just doesn't matter. Uh, they threw out of the pistol on the first snap of the game because they listen the Brian they Cook read play. no because they didn't even run play action <laughs> it was just a straight drop back what are we doing that here that was the Brian Cook play that what was are we the, doing that was the okay Brian we're sick of this we're just gonna throw the ball out of pistol it was it, and, and Penn State was ready for it it wasn't as projected <laughs> right <laughs> they just wanted to get that off the room well and they, they ran play action from it a couple more times too so it's not uh, 100% run tip anymore, and uh, good. But uh, it is <laughs> – I mean, it took a long time. Anyway, we're just going to move on from that. You know, in terms of RPS, this play, this game is going to be a absolute annihilation because what Penn State tried to do, uh, Michigan was absolutely prepared for, and they brought out a couple of new things that were very flashy and very effective. And then they completely deleted any ability for Michigan, uh, Penn State to play one up in the run game, which is amazing. Are you worried at all about McCarthy in the pocket reading? Because it looked like he had a, several plays that he sort of like dawdled a few times. Yeah. He had guys, and then he waited w- really long on the on one of them, rolled to his right, and almost threw the pick six, but yeah. gets it gets it over the linebacker's head as he's falling down. And yeah. it looks like a yeah, we got seven yards, and you're like, no, don't don't ever make that throw again. That was one of my rejected hot takes. That, that came that came directly at me in the stands, and I was like, no. yeah, yeah. So was Harbaugh, by the way. Yeah, yeah. there was, <laughs> there was a you're shot on. after that, and yeah. he was just like. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, that was one of my rejected hot takes. Was uh, the pick six was. I honestly like thought he was trying to one. exactly. I thought he was trying to throw it out of bounds at first, and then well, he might have been because Corum actually on the replay when you look from the back is like running up the field and has to turn and almost run him out after he sees the ball. Yeah. and gets over to it and makes the catch. But I mean, I mean, there were a couple other incidents like that too, where he's just hanging in the pocket. He almost gets sacked, and then he did get sacked late in the game. Yeah, um, that one might have been okay. Like he might not have had a bad in that one, but there were definitely more moments in this game where it looked like he didn't know what to do yeah. than in previous games. Even Iowa, like Iowa's like the zone team that is very tricky, and he seemed pretty confident about what he was doing in that game. But I was, I was trying to pick it up. Uh, I didn't get enough rewatch into like pick this guy because coverage is the thing to to try to do. But like uh, I thought, Penn State was more of a cover one team when uh, like all season. And they, I mean, they were doing switch stuff. They do the, the the Alabama thing where you know, like the where they you you switch your guy when you're. It's kind of a cover three, cover one amalgamation yeah. pattern, pattern matching. Pattern matching. Um, but this one, there was a lot more quarters, and there was a lot more just straight up cover two. There was a couple traps. Like I think Penn State switched up their coverages on him, and maybe just wasn't ready for some of the looks that they were giving him. I mean, they are coming off a bye, so that makes sense that that was a thing that they might do. Well, and doesn't it sort of make sense to? I mean guess it doesn't because of the run game now but like when you're trying to confuse McCarthy you're, you you want to give him sort of cover two and not let him take shots downfield because that's what you hear about is his arm and Michigan has wide receivers that can go toast you and well, they can line up guys like Wilson in the slot and then you need three corners you know I think that was the main concern Penn State had because they're like you know if they can't lock up Michigan's receivers on the outside on a fly route with those two corners why even have them so yeah they they played off Wilson a lot. He wasn't able to get over the top at all in this game. Um, I mean, the, the early shot that you mentioned on that rollout to Johnson was the only real downfield shot they took all game. Yeah, he had like 145 passing, passing yards. yards on like six, 17 completions. Yeah. 
So yeah, it was a it was a dink and dunk kind of game, but but it seems like a lot of the last few games have been that, and it just seems like that's the approach that teams are taking to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I think they saw those deep shots early, and they're like, "Well, once those get dialed in." <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that was my thought, and and that was the. I mean, that was why the Iowa game was sort of important because you're like, okay, well, can can he be patient enough to not force those? Can he find those checkdowns and continue to move the ball? And he did it last week against Indiana too. This week it was. Not quite as much. I mean, he completed passes, but it was just pretty simple little throws in the flat, like a lot of screens. Um, but it was it was Corum that, that changed the game. Yeah, and and but he still completes like seventy five percent of his passes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has a couple scrambles that convert third and mediums, and except for that one very bad idea pass, he doesn't put the ball in harm's way the rest of the game. I mean, there was one pass that was kind of sort well, of Well, the one that should have off. been the pick six, and then the one that he gets sort of unlucky that is the pick six. Oh, the pick six thing, yeah. The, I completely forgot about that. That's how irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> the one play that everyone in the Michigan universe is, like, freaking out about it. Well, I mean, the, every time you replay it, it's even more ridiculous because it goes off yeah. two guys' helmets. Well, he, he stumbles out of his out of the center. Well, right. Well, Barnhart also like just Olay's a guy and all of a sudden there's some uh, I think it was 97 is in the backfield it's almost instantaneous yeah but I, th- I think the the stumble out of out of center m- means he's a step behind where he had needs to be mm. and that's why he can't get it around the defensive end and that little flat route to quorum they ran it uh, for a conversion earlier yes. in the game yep and uh you know Going back to the well, I think that you know, you're a little bit better prepared. But honestly, 99 times out of 100, that just hits the turf, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like I said, it was it was a karmic thing for the one before. But like, if it's going to hit one guy's helmet, another guy's helmet, then go right to a defender, like that's that is not on the quarterback. Like once once one helmet's been hit, it's not like a you know the. But, he, but the he, likelihood is it's just going to fall down. Well, he forces it and throws it into a defender's arm. Yeah, I mean, and, like, and you that know what? Was, you I mean, that's a guy. would have just gone down. That's a guy trips. who's getting blocked, and he's got to get a hand up and like. I mean, that's a bad at pass, right? That happens yeah. to people. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think that's something that you really want to discourage him from throwing. Okay. Like your receiver's open, you got a guy in the way. He's getting blocked. He's not a defensive back. You you got to try to put that in there. It didn't work out, but whatever. Yeah, it, it was. It was a very outsized response to like something that just kind of you know okay it's a batted pass you you negative score batted passes but it's just a yeah. batted pass yes minus one no big deal right um, we're seeing so much of Colston Loveland they that gotta love him yeah they must I mean he got hit on one of those uh, waggle passes downfield and I was like I kind of wish that had gone to Anthony because it was a touchdown but he still yeah. picked up a chunk and then they called it back because he was covered up which is did you look at that. Because yeah, I would I like your because you're the O line expert. I would like to know. Okay. He, I mean, his his head was within the yard of the line of scrimmage, so it was very, very technically. It's so ticky. It was so ticky, right? And like they let guys do that all the time, especially on goal line. You could call that every single time. And like guys line up who are on, who are considered on the line of scrimmage way behind that, and yeah. they let it go. Like, yeah, these every days pass set tackles are going to be behind where. Like these days, I'm looking at the line of scrimmage, and I'm like, oh, is this guy on the line of scrimmage or not? And they never call it, except for really egregious things. I think that kind of ambiguity, like Nebraska used to play off that, right? Yeah. Where it'd just be like, is this guy covered up or not? And Indiana did it last week. Yeah. So I think they got to get a little bit more harsh about that. But 
it's not really. Well, what else deal. do you think about Loveland? Because you said that you're that well, his, playing him a lot. His blocking isn't abominable. It is not. It is not. Okay. It should be. It should be absolutely garbage. This, be worse. This is this, this well, kid who came out of Idaho. He was a receiver as a Maybe junior. Maybe he wrangles cows. All right. He was a receiver his yeah, junior but, year playing against Idaho competition, and then they convert him to a tight end as a senior in Idaho. How is this guy able to do anything tight end related right now? Right. He should he should be like the absolute butt worst at blocking. He's probably just a good athlete who knows what he's doing. Well, he's def- I mean, you just see him move around the field and you're like, okay. Like, he's not Brock Bowers because he's not a Megazord, but he kind of feels a little bit like that. Okay. Like, he's definitely a first off the bus kind of guy where it's just like, okay. This Seems guy, like yeah. a guy Harbaugh would recruit. They, the next time they get Jay Harbaugh or Grant Newsome, like, behind the... Someone should ask him about them and just, like, capture the facial expression. Because I bet you it's like a... Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 however, you know, Elston feels about uh, Mason Graham, right? So we, we believe that Eric All is out for the season and will be back next year. I mean, if he didn't play in this game, why play him in the next four? Yeah. I mean, if he can come back for Ohio State, though. But we think he's out for the year. And the prospect of having Eric All and uh, Colson Loveland as a, as a sophomore, I think Harbaugh is like, I am not going to leave for the Vikings. I got this. That is a hot take. I got two. I got like, how many tight ends can I carry on an NFL roster? Three? That's garbage. I need 12. He's like the Bears from a couple of years ago. Did you have, I had Max Bredesen for in here too. That might have been part of Colson Lubson's playing time as well. I did not think that Bredesen or Schoonmaker had great days blocking. I went back and rewatched probably the first three plus. Schoonmaker makes one great block and they flag him for a hold. Yeah. Yeah. But he also missed a few. So. Well, Part of that is what we talked about earlier, where when you're gap blocking a play, Penn State is going maniacal about it. So they're slanting. There's so much slanting yes. in this defense. Mm-hmm. And those are harder to pick up. But when you do pick it up, you get big gaps. And mm-hmm. so, like, there's these Penn State fans who are just irate, who are like, look at this gap. And part of that's because when you slant and you get it wrong or the opposition picks it up, there's going to be a big gap. Yeah. So I just think it's a difficult environment to to really succeed in. Um, Bredesen, in in particular, did have some iffy moments. Uh, But that's part of Penn State overplaying your gap-blocked runs and then the cutbacks that you're getting, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll have to see. I I usually, if you're getting a guy screaming at you, I do grade that on a curve. Like, there are blocks that are easy to make and blocks that are hard to make, and I try to keep that in mind when I'm I'm grading. Yeah, Uh I, I wanted to call out. We went back to that um, that quorum run. Like you said, the slanting was crazy, and uh, I think it was Zinter who got out on the the big long quorum one. Because what happens when you slant? You have the defensive line go one way. You have the linebackers supposed to go the other way, right? <laughs> Sometimes they forget. Right, right. But, this but that's time, mostly a complaint about Michigan from ten years ago. <laughs> anyway, they. They slant. Though it still goes on. I've been charting the defense. We still do that sometimes. But this time, Penn State kind of overdid it, and Zinter was the one who got down about four yards to lock that uh, last linebacker out, and that's why that gap was so huge. It was between the defensive line and the linebackers. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of them because the amount of movement Michigan's offensive line got in this game was incredible. Yeah. Like the. Uh, the long quorum run, you see a guy get blown out four yards. You see another guy who's getting doubled, and they're shoving him so far that the linebacker is just caught up in the wash. So in addition to the tactical win of having your quarterback's legs holding guys out, this was a mashing blocking performance. And I'm looking forward to what Pro Football Focus does with it. 
the the other thing that I'm no, I'm genuinely curious. Like I, it like I'm not even mad at this point. I'm just, just want to. I'm fascinated. I mean, it. it, it I, I've lost interest because it doesn't make sense, and I can't make it make sense. I tried to like wrangle it into something like, oh, maybe they like screen teams too much or something. I don't know. Like, I'm not. But... I'm just. I'm just. I'm just fascinated, and I want to see like, did we finally get graded better than Michigan State's line this week after 426 what, rushing what yards or whatever? If I brought like a pro football focus guy on the podcast and just had him explain it. I don't. They're, they they'll do that sometimes. They go on people's podcasts and like, yeah. talk about what they do. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it'd be fascinating because I, I think that there's some there's something really going on there and maybe like a fix would actually I don't know I don't know yeah. anyway I think you're right about the schematic stuff and the O line stuff but there were also probably five or six runs by Corum that he gained yards running through people again that's true and I think that that is something that we've mostly put to rest that was the whole lingering yeah, running no, back no. thing but this was like the cherry and whipped cream on top of the Sunday where he's just, he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage and it's on first and 10 and it's second and six or second and four. And yeah. you're like, well, wait a minute. Where did he crawl through guys? Like, well, is this one of those obstacle courses? That touchdown he had was impossible. <clears throat> he's down at the one yard line. He's hit at yeah. the two. And he's then hit at the two and then and he's in the end zone. Somehow like it just kind of like goes vlorp and you're like, how did that happen? Well, and, and and while they're reviewing it, you get to go back and see like the slow motion. So you get to see like his feet still kind of pushing while he's are he's still on top of the pile. Yeah, and, and he's just like, kind of like swimming. Yeah, he's just kind of like kicking his feet like a little dolphin. He's our little dolphin. Dolphin don't dolphins don't have feet. It, well, his like dolphin feet, you know, like flippers. Is it like a, a man made or a oh man merman? A merman. Merman is a that what man-made. it is? Man made. Uh, but the other thing is, I think. That's, Edwards yeah, missed a couple of cuts and ran into piles instead and still did the same thing. And that was what well, that was another encouraging thing is there were a couple of times when he ran into dudes and ended up three or four yards yeah. downfield I, too. I saw one where I thought for a second that he'd gone the wrong way, but Penn State was just flying upfield. And so what yeah. happens is they fly upfield, he runs it like his own guy. Because, you know, Keegan's just trying to hold on to that guy. He's getting someone flying upfield on him. He's just going to go with him. Yeah. He's not going to, like, try to, like, go past him. And then um, and Corm thought he was going to cut over there, but that gets cut off because that guy's going up. And then Corm kind of bounces off of Keegan and then turns right and then kind of has, like, a stutter step and then goes. And it's a six-yard gain. I mean, it should have been, like, a three-yard gain. And the stutter step kind of holds the linebacker for a second and I gets mean, him we, in there. We should say that... Edwards also made a number of excellent cuts. He was yes. he was the guy who yeah. went to the backside of a couple of those runs, and I was like, oh, because you know I'm still a little bit up in the air about Edwards as a between the tackles runner. Like he's obviously super fast. He's obviously got a lot of skills. I'm yes. just like, well, can he operate it within the tackles? And I think this game was a pretty good indicator that he can. And I think that the one thing I wanted to pile on the point we're making about Quorum is I saw two or three plays where he did that too, where he's hit and goes down later on in yeah. the run and that's sort of that short yardage stuff that we talked about quorum can he do it well that's being put to rest quorum like slam dunk that today and i think edwards put a couple of runs on tape that you could even use as maybe he he in the future could also be a short yardage back well he does it in a different way blake quorum you can like have two guys hanging off him and he's just gonna like deadlift them to the first down at this point <laughs> what Edwards does is he has so much explosion that if he gets a little bit of a crack, he's just going to get to full speed immediately. And then you're just kind of catching him and that tackle is going to fall forward two yards. So he also like 
wrecked a safety. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy hurt. <laughs> <laughs> just went flying. But you don't get to see those bl- those oh, hits man. too often from an offensive player, and he just that, popped. That him. was one of those moments where, like, we were just losing it. Yeah, it's it's weird that he can do all that, and then he's a terrible blocker. No. He's a terrible blocker. No. He, that Al- Alex Orgy last week would have had a touchdown if he didn't, yes, did that's, more. That's true. That's true. But right before his long touchdown, there's a play where there's a guy screaming in on McCarthy, and he – Gets that guy around him, gives McCarthy enough space because that dude like jumped the snap. He knew exactly when Michigan was snapping. Yeah, he gets in the backfield. Edwards has to escort him around. It's a linebacker and it's, you know a four star player. And Edwards gets him around. That converts the third and four because McCarthy can scramble out and convert. And then the next play is Edwards' long touchdown. So well, okay. I'm 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 coming around on him. All right. As a blocker. One point on Corum is that on that down G that gets blown up on the goal line, yeah. he does need to cut that up. Does he Does he even have room, though? I mean, like, it's I just didn't... like at that point, it's like cut your losses, burrow forward where you can. Yeah. And he's Blake Corum. So, but he's hit like almost as he touches. Well, what happens is El Hadi is blocking the guy, and then Corum tries to go outside. And I don't know what that happens. Set up, if... The play set up to go outside. The play is set up to No, go it's down G. Well, no, it, well. El Hadi is supposed to turn that in if he if, if the guy comes inside him he's supposed to turn it in. El Hadi's in the process of turning him in and there's another guy. But outside. he's three yards in the backfield. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you're Corm at that point, you gotta go. You're not going to get outside because because what's going to happen is you're going to get third and one instead of third and four. Maybe this is a third segment question, but in that situation you're mashing them, you're moving them forward at second and two from the two. Why are you running down G and not just like inside zone or or a wedge or something like that? Uh. Especially when you're bringing in backup linemen to have them pull. The down G is a very good short yardage play. Michigan's running a lot. And I think that's just a great play. Is it a good play against teams that over-pursue and react? Yeah, because I feel like if Quorum, if Quorum gets stuck in that situation again, he is going to cut up inside El Hadi. And then there's room to get back to the line of scrimmage. There's probably room to grind out a yard, and then you got third and one. So I don't necessarily blame Corum too much for that because it's like you don't expect that to happen. But it's not like it was completely buried. But you didn't hate the play call? No, I didn't hate the play call. Uh, it was, it, I mean, you're you're running down G to the backside, That's and this is a team that slants all the time. Like there's a good chance they're just going to slant the wrong way, get a guy popped, and he's going to walk into those. I mean, every single okay. like dive play that they had in this game or duo, whichever one you want to call it, uh, I want to short yards, I just call it dive. Because I'm calling them tight zone. But someone, someone. I think maybe it was Clat. Well, I should come up with Dave a name for or it whatever. Too. Yeah, yeah. sixty-five different <laughs> names for a play that's very difficult to pick up sometimes. <clears throat> um, I, I, I can see that point because Michigan was just blowing them off the ball, particularly right. Trevor Keegan. Um, and uh, I, I can see that, but it's a real nit to pick in okay. a game that was otherwise immaculately okay. called. That's fair. I, I, that was just sort of one of the plays that you're like, and uh, and then they kick a field goal. Speaking, it was worth. Asking the experts nits. of immaculate calls, oh. they get a third and six, kind of a critical time in the game early in the third quarter. I think uh, Penn State is actually up at this point. They've kicked their field goal at seventeen mm-hmm. sixteen, and we get a jet sweep to Edwards, and then we get QB counter the other way. Yeah, and you know, you read the guy, and he's outside. You pull it, and there's one guy who gets like a arm tackle in on on uh mccarthy mccarthy and then it's like if hayes sees what's going on he can block the safety and it's, and, and it's and it's way, yeah. probably a touchdown and this is so one of the reason michigan got 
what they got in their explosives is they nearly had two explosives for J.J. McCarthy. Mm -hmm. And they probably felt that. And mm -hmm. so then they start thinking about, okay, we can't give J.J. McCarthy an explosive. Let's give Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum more room to operate. You know what's funny is like that was a play out of the 2019 spring game, and I'm like, ooh, this is going to be really fun. Yeah, this is like Josh Gaddis is like like yeah UCF ish sp speed and space kind of stuff where you're threatening both sides of the field, and everybody gets stretched real bad horizontally, and mm -hmm. it's just and then the quarterback is part of the run game, so you have another guy that you're dealing with, and, and it just it just yeah. never happened. And I I saw that play, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> here we go, because. One thing that McCarthy is doing very, very well is he's making those mesh point reads. Like, whether it's on RPO or zone read, like, he's the guy who is able to perceive just about everyone correctly. And he misses one or two here and there. But, you know, that's going to happen. And just having that ability to make a guy wrong every play is, is super important. Have we... Uh, Touched on everything on the offense? Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is there more that we need I mean, to talk Ronnie. about? Freaking bell. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, there that's another third down they got to convert, and he gets the ball. The third and twelve drag route where yeah. like, like he just powers through the safety. Yeah. yeah. Who, and then who and then has a terrible tackle attempt. Sure. True. But he gets the real. first down, he and does. then he's being pushed out of bounds, and he's signaling first down. Yeah. That's that's that was so senior. That's swag, Dave. <laughs> You're, you're the I, one that I go to the, uh, for, for swag experts. I've, I've looked it up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it's swag. Is this your thing now? You call the swags, he calls the sad field goals? <laughs> sure. I think that's a good division of labor. That's swag. Brian, swag experts. <laughs> All right. Does anyone have anything else? Not after that. No. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back. Talk about the defense. Also swag. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we 
recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OG. Original geeks of programmable communication. Hey, glad girls, I only want to get you high. Hey, glad girls, I only want to get you high. Hey, glad girls, I only want to get you high. And they're all right, and they're all right, and they're all right. All right, Seth, what's your ticket of the week? So I went to Yoast and got to see Michigan take on Boston U. And there was a guy sitting right behind me who's been a reader for a long time, Ken Walker, who is like, we had like excellent, excellent seats. And uh-huh. he managed to find these seats right at the last minute on Ticket IQ. We're all kind of part of the same team here. We're all kind of part of the same uh, same circle. And yeah. I think that like the hockey fans are, w- when there's an extra ticket to sit with. Well, there's, there's a blip on the hockey schedule coming up that might actually be useful if you're looking to see a really good game for not that much. Yeah. And that uh, is... Yeah, the Thursday game against There's Minnesota. a Thursday-Friday series against frickin' Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so the Friday the f- one's hot. The Friday ticket is, get in is... Like, Friday ticket's 86 right now, but that's... Okay. Okay, wait on that one. Wait on that, because yeah. that night, Ticket IQ has had, like, the late breaking low tickets. But even right now, the Minnesota one, the Thursday night one's uh, at 35 bucks, Which is basically face value. Yeah. And Minnesota's one of the best teams in the country. This is going to be a hugely critical game for the Big Ten standings. Yeah. And it's always 
fun to watch Minnesota and Michigan go toe-to-toe with each other. That's a deal. Yeah. So Thursday, November 17th, get on Ticket IQ. And if you're on Ticket IQ and you see a price, is that the price that's out the door? That's the price that you're paying. So you're not going to pay for a convenience fee. Or an online fee. Or a waxing fee. Or a Minnesota, get or Western Michigan hates us. We know actually you're going to have to pay a little extra for the Western Michigan ticket this yeah. year because they hate us. All right. So hit, get up, hit up Ticket IQ and, and get, get yourself to Yoast, folks. All right. Uh, defensively, total domination aside from two or three plays. Uh, even, even like the long throw was like well defended. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he gets beat. But yeah, and you get you that. Beat. You, you get don't that. think so? No, I mean, like you know, I might. I, I don't even think I'm going to minus one that. Like, I've seen. We've gotten those calls. We've gotten those plays a gazillion times, and like he's in the guy's hip. He's on the correct side, and like he just lays in the bucket that far downfield. Like, that's, yeah. My only thing is he's got he's got a hold of the wide receiver's arm, mm-hmm. and then he looks back for the ball, and he's enough in trail position that I kind of feel like at that point. Looking back for the ball is not the play, and you're just going to want to get your hand through like the the basket, you know. And I don't know. He got flagged for a couple pass interferences last game, even when he wasn't pass interfering. So like looking back for the ball might have been a coaching point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. Is that the coverage isn't too bad? Like any ball that's not like the king of all dos is probably not happening. Yeah. So and that's their one big throw downfield, and it's like uh, well, other than the fourth and six. Frames. Can we talk about that quickly? Sure. That, like, they get a fourth and six. They're not lined up correctly, so they have to call timeout. Penn State does, right? And so now they burn their timeout. They come back to their fourth and six. Fine, whatever. You're going to have a good play. What's the play they come up with? It's a corner route. How often do those hit if it's just a corner uh, fade versus man? 30%? It's a good gain if you get it. Well, it's, a, it's essentially a slot fade, which is... Um has been profitable in those situations, especially against a guy like Sainer still who's oh, pretty short. Oh, the one where they're yeah. where it's where Michigan's down or Michigan's up seven and yeah. they're driving to, to theoretically tie and it, he throws it over Sainer still. Yeah, yeah. But, but that was, was there; it went through the guy's hands. It required a, a really good throw, and the throw wasn't quite good enough. And anything other than that exact throw is probably getting so. Defense. You're just asking for. A perfect pass. I'm saying if Michigan is dialing up a play for fourth and six, and it's that play, I mean, against Sainra still, too, who's like one of Michigan's best cover guys, who does get over on top of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's your best. It's He's not on top of it. He's in trail. Yeah. yeah. But he's he's also, that's your best receiver in Parker, Washington. Like, you don't know how much time you're going to have, and that's a relatively quick throw to get out. You know it's going to be there. And yeah. he made a pretty good throw. If he gets a yeah. good catch, that's a catch. That I, I'm saying, that, but it's just it, it felt like it was a low percentage throw for a fourth and six, which is the game when it, when it's the game. I mean, like, I, don't you have yeah. something dialed up for this after a timeout? That's what you have. That's that's definitely true. After a timeout, you might think, all right, do we have yeah. something better? And I'm, and I'm channeling the Penn State fans who were next to us a little bit, who were like, I at mean, that point, they, the the bottom came out. For at them. that at that point, like maybe that's just a throw that you think you got. Like I'm not going to get too yeah. too on that one. Two goal line fades, though. <laughs> One of them, which is just completely dominated by T- DJ Turner. Yes. Uh-huh. And it's just like, is this 1995? We're still running goal line fades? What? And like, not even with like big receivers. Like, Nico Collins is not on that team. No. Herman Moore. Yeah, there are I some guys where it makes goal. some, like, you got Randy Moss. Fine. Throw all the goal line fades you want. But your tallest receiver is a 6'1 transfer from Western Kentucky. Yeah. Like, that's not. 
That's not a good play call. No. Well, it's still plus two for Turner because he's just done. He got right. Yeah, off of you it. run the guy's route for him and get yeah. plus two. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's so, funny that they're still throwing at Turner, and I have like Green down as one note. Like he wasn't even real. He was throwing it once, gave up like a nine yard catch or something. I think that's indi- and that was indicative of how well Green has been playing, and that my pro Green policy was always correct. In any case, uh, I want to talk about the first series mm-hmm. that where take long. you get down to a third and one. And they're like, all right, we're going to run our big freshman five-star back. And Chris Jenkins yes. shows up out of nowhere and just insinuates himself into the backfield, kicks uh, Singleton into Mike Morris, three and out, punt, and here we go. So domination on offense on the line of scrimmage, domination on defense on the line of scrimmage. Mozzie Smith, Chris Jenkins, Mike Morris. The pass rush wasn't great. I kind of feel that was intentional on in some ways like they're just trying to push the pocket they're not taking a lot of risks because the worst thing you can have against penn state is sean clifford rolling out and improvising yeah i just got clad at the <laughs> <laughs> my defensive notes here are chris jenkins best player defensive line question mark and uh being a little conservative on uh the rollouts. And All right, stuff. surely you have a third note that you can no, say now. Nope, that was my defensive note. Oh. There you go. You just got me. It's, it's like over. you guys work for the same blog or something. Uh, I'm, I, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. This uh, is even the side of the ball well, that you're like in charge of now. Yeah, well, and my, like my next note is about a uh, silly thing Mullings did one time. So yep. I, I, even, yeah. I have that one. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, Mullings had a sack. They set him up for a beautiful sack. Yep. Morris goes outside. And he's just got a direct line to the quarterback, and he runs himself outside. He goes double outside. Double outside. <laughs> and he just, like, question marks all over his head, bubbles. <laughs> ah, what am, I, what am I doing out here? And they almost convert a third and 19. Uh, Moten falls down chasing uh, quarterback, and then Will also, Johnson. Out of nowhere, Will Johnson. And then they have to pull him away because he's about to get a 15-yard penalty for yeah. standing over taunting There's some GA on, the, GA on the sideline who's like, all right, get away. Yeah. So like, yeah. That guy gets a helmet sticker. I don't need a helmet, but we're giving him a helmet sticker, whoever that get, GA is. They create new stickers He gets a headset now, sticker. So a, yeah, headset, headset sticker. sticker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so pass rush, a little bit frustrating, probably intentional. They did get around Clifford quite a bit. They made him move around in the pocket. He did a really good job of climbing the pocket and, and hitting some guys in situations where I think guys who aren't as good at that as Sean Clifford get sacked. Yeah, there was one where Mozzie Smith doesn't even get a hand on him, and I'm like, that's kind of a good pass rush. Yeah. Clifford just like ducks just, really low and yeah. gets under it. I mean, this is like 75-year-old Sean Clifford who's been playing behind Penn State's offensive line for the last decade. How? Like, and, and he's still standing. I want well, to. Ha- I want this to is why up. he's still standing. I want to I stand up and salute that guy at the end of this game. Like I, I, Penn State fans must feel the way we felt at the end of Devin Gardner. We're like, yeah. thank you, man, for like sticking it out with us, and we are so sorry. Well, they're a little bit cross that Will Levis is now like a top ten draft prospect. They're <laughs> like, why do we go with this uh, guy? Raise your hand if you saw that coming. Uh huh. Will Levis top 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 ten draft prospect? I did not see that coming. I did not either. No. Um. So interesting rotation at. Safety. Yeah. So RJ Moten does not start this game. He does play, but the starters are Rod Morn and Makari Page. And then, like for most of the, of the fourth quarter, Quentin Johnson is playing. Yeah, and and messed up a couple things too. I I didn't feel like Quentin Johnson like I mean like the answer. Okay, that's true. I do think it's interesting that 
most of the starters are in. Yeah. And then you're seeing Michigan kind of mix in a few guys. So Jimmy Roller got out there late. Uh-huh. You saw Quentin Johnson get out there late. And then uh, Will Johnson got a lot more playing time late, too. So. After the green injury, I think, right? Yeah. Well, he green came back. So I don't know if that was related or not. I, I don't know. Do you think that it was, was a separated shoulder? He's wearing a shoulder brace. It looked right? like a stinger or something to me. Like, like Yeah. The game, I mean, for a lot of this stuff, I just want to point out, like, the game was mostly over. Mostly over, but not over enough where you put your backup defense in. Right. And so to me, it's pretty interesting that Quentin Johnson is out there. Yeah. Because that means that they might be looking at him as a guy who they want to explore playing more. Possibly. I mean, those were the... Caden Colasar snaps before before Colasar got hurt. And that's probably true. So he's just taking Colasar's spot now. Sure, but he's the next guy up. You got three safeties who are already pretty active. Your starting defense is pretty much out there. Yeah, you Moten's a guy who you want to get reps to because he's kind of making some mistakes. Yeah. So I think his presence is kind of interesting. It is. I mean, maybe that's putting pressure on Moten or something. But I mean, Page seemed to play well. The Moore was the one who uh, like the big long run after, when. I mean, we haven't talked about that. So we should talk yet, about yeah. that, because that's the only play that's to like, talk about. Their, their play in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Michigan has a scrape on. Yep. So Oki goes for the back. That's correct. Right. And then Jalen yeah. Harrell is coming over the top. Uh, it was Barrett. That was Barrett. It was Barrett. Barrett. Yeah, it was Barrett. Yeah. And their left tackle, that's a great play. Yeah. Like, he sees that there's no one on the second level to block, and then he turns around and sort of violates never go upfield, no way, but not quite. But he, no, he's, he's he wasn't gone. This is like graduate level, never turn up because now you can turn up field if this is happening. And then, and happen. then, yeah. so Barrett's coming around, and he's he's got Clifford, yeah, on lockdown. Does he, or does he take a step too far? Well, if if there's not a left tackle there blocking, he's able to redirect and like get him down. And okay, it's, and it's by a couple inches. I mean, he is a smaller guy, so maybe you need to be a little more active just because you're not because a Less of a block is going to affect you. And then Rod Moore thinks that the running back has, running the, ball. Back has the ball. And right. stops running. And well, he goes down to the other side of the line. Wait, I mean, he's just yeah. he's just kind of dancing around. He's not really doing Yeah, and, and, you know, it's third and one. He's getting nosy, and I understand that. And he, he also knows that Michigan has a scrape on. So if they, they if the quarterback has the ball, he's got right. he's got just probably an unblocked Barrett in his face. But and, don't you think that when you're the last line of defense, that's just... It's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mistake. It's one that I understand. I'm not going to minus – I don't think I'm going to minus three him on it, but I may minus two him on it because, like, that's – I mean, that's – your job right there is just in case something goes wrong. Right. So, like, add yeah. yourself to the third and one. I, I Yeah, I get it. But, yeah, so that's that's their play. That's their play. That's the, the one – well, that and the, the throw I, down field. I, I did think Moore had a couple of really nice hits downfield – that he's he got a, run through. <laughs> he's he's a hair behind on something, or like it's just like if the quarterback is one half second later on that, he's probably getting a PBU. He might be able to knock the ball free. He hit some guys pretty hard, yeah. so I thought yeah. that was pretty good from him. And we didn't really get to see a whole lot of anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Colson actually I thought made some good plays in yep. the running game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he, He's gonna. I think we're gonna have a positive week from him. And there's only one instance I think where he was covering grass, and that was also like one of those times when uh, Clifford steps up in the pocket and makes like an incredible throw over somebody who's got a hand in his face. Yeah. And, like you know, it's it. And he was coming down on the low, and then Clifford throws the high, and it's like maybe a minus one coverage for that. Like I. I had no other complaints about Colson all game when Colson's been like the guy getting like nine negatives in a game. Yeah. 
No, yeah. he, he had three nice plays I had, and then he was spectacularly illegally picked. <laughs> well, they call it. That's, yeah, I, mean, that's, I know. I know. That's, so an, that's another one where it's you got to stay on the right side of the line of scrimmage because that's like a yard downfield. I think yeah. Harold actually caused that because Harold gets in the backfield and gets his no. Hand that's the way. The, that's on the running back. He's a freshman. He just screwed it up. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's not anything Michigan managed to do. So Michael Barrett had an interesting game. He had a thunder sack where he just ran over Singleton and then had to split it with Taylor Upshaw. But he's like ninety five percent of that sack, and I think he's very good defending the ground game that Penn State has. In part because nobody's getting out to him, but like in terms wow. of like Michael Barrett is an inside linebacker. I think this was probably his best outing. Probably. I, the only thing is, it's just the, there weren't a whole lot of uh, opportunities for him to do things. So, like, maybe the score is not going to be like high just because there was just because of volume. Well, you're going to have to emphasize the per snap thing. I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be that. That might be a theme of the uh, of the UFR this week, as as I dance around being like, ha, 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 I'm already in the second half. Um, but I mean, that was he was a part of that, and like that's something that he's been good at. Always, from a linebacker perspective, he is when he blitzes, he comes with power, he comes fast, he's hard to get a hand on, and it works really well with when you have Jenkins and Smith. I mean, that's a big doubles. guy too that he ran over. Like Singleton's yeah. like two ten, two twenty. Yeah, and and to like be able to run over and still have enough momentum to carry you to the quarterback yeah. at that point, like I mean, Barrett is flat out good at it, and I think that's been part of why they play Jalen Harrell outside so much, because Harrell can uh, cover as a linebacker about as well as Colson or Barrett. Doesn't say nice things about their coverage, but it's a... Well, he's useful as a dropper in ways that some defensive ends aren't. Right. So if you can have him dropping sometimes and then blitz your linebacker, because those guys are pretty excellent uh, blitzers for different reasons. Um, and then they use a lot of upshot outside, too, and I thought that went back to like the containing Clifford. That, like, he was out there. He's not your best pass rusher at all. But he's a guy who's going to be right. Yeah, that, he's he's experienced. He's not going to vacate his lane. And and that helped them a couple times. In fact, I think they got uh, at least one of the sacks. Or, like, one of the times where he, like, gets to run for two yards and he's out. And, and yeah, Michigan was close to, like, another two or three sacks. But they turned into very small scrambles. Always yeah. irritating. Yeah. But those were Upshaw. And instead of and when you saw Oki in there, Oki got run by a couple times. And he had... And, Clifford was actually able to scramble mm. versus Upshaw is just so responsible that like that's when people are like, well, how come you're not dogging him more when he comes in for a low score for pass rush? And I'm like, well, because this is a valuable thing that you give to the defense. Well, I mean, also like at this point, nobody really expects it, right? Like uh-huh. the uh, guys versus wild cards framing of the season preview seems to be pretty much on point, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you know, Harrell had that kind of flash early in the season, but at, didn't really last like uh-huh. he gets an occasional rush in and he's a really good like player but that looks sort of brief flowers for Algernon period where everybody's like oh maybe he can rush the passer that's not no I mean it came back against Indiana and we were like oh Indiana's a bad right tackle <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah but I mean then uh, Derek Moore was out there and he screws up the the tunnel screen the screen he gets yeah. out there but yeah kind of over pursues well, it well, a little bit they had two tight ends so like Michigan puts out their five two pro, uh, guys right and so now he he had it dead to rights but he just didn't play it right yeah he just and I, there's no excuse there's no reason I think it's just a true freshman thing which yeah. is probably yeah. why he's not getting on the field which tells you that like okay there's a good reason he's not on the field which means all the other stuff is real right. Yeah, I, I'm still, 
I know Sam Webb is the one banging the table more, so he gets to claim like to be the the demo guy. But everybody, as soon as that guy showed up in the spring game, I was like, all right, that guy. Yeah, like, that's not. That's We're not. all this. This is a very um, well occupied bandwagon. Yeah, it's it's hefty. I'm still on it. I I feel like we haven't really talked about anything. But is there anything more to talk about? I mean, DJ Turner dropped another pick six. It wasn't a pick six. You don't that think was so? A pick. No, because he's going to his knees, and there are a couple guys still in front of him. So I mean, it was, was not a pick six. It was down it, the sideline. Um, that was not a pick six. The, okay. the, the, and also, like the the guy who the he was throwing inside the tight end that it's supposed to go to still has kind of arm in the way. So got his, like, oh, also, he was <laughs> also uh, Mullings got away with it, or was it Barrett? I don't remember who, but that was like a clear pass interference or holding. Uh huh. Because that ball's right on point, except. The linebacker has yanked back the tight end. Right. Okay. Yeah, so there were some iffy calls both ways in this one. I, I thought that one got a make up afterwards. That there was a there was another call on Mullings later that was like. Well, I think I think it might have been Barrett actually. I don't think it was Mullings, but yeah, that uh, I, was. I was saying it was a make up. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a refs plus two right there. But <laughs> what are you gonna do? I mean. All told, other than like maybe roughing the score at the end, I did not have ref complaints in this game. This is way more competent than like the entirety of last week in, across the Big Ten. Well, it, it's hard to have ref complaints when you're just steamrolling someone, though. Oh, but a Penn State fan in my section did. It was amazing. It well, was he's he's from a slightly different perspective it was like the, on the game. It was than like we the were, I think late third quarter. And so the game's like kind of still in the balance, but not really. And around me, there's a Penn State fan bitching about holding, and then like three Michigan fans bitching about play calling. And I was like, "This is the definition of both of these fan bases." Where we are, <laughs> Michigan is obliterating an opponent. And there's like three guys going like, "Why are we doing this particular play that didn't work?" And then there's a Penn State fan getting outrushed like 350 to two. He's like, "What about holding?" <laughs> Come on! Speaking about Penn State people complaining about holding that that one cornerback who like just obviously grabbed oh, Ronnie Bell well, and then gives like the everybody does yeah. that. The good no, no one goes that hard. Uh, he went so hard that I knew it was. Le- there there are times when like a guy will make that face and you're like, okay, I know you're just trying to ham it up, but like he was incensed that his clear interference had been. I. It was it was such a. I was irritated by that on replay because I'm like, is that a deal? What am I going to grade this as? Why did you have to interfere? You, <laughs> I got to chart this. Do, do you chart pass interference calls? Uh, if sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay. So if it's I, if I think it's clear that it would have been complete without the interference, then I will grade it. Okay. Or like or would have been incomplete without the interference, and that one would have been a great back shoulder throw. Without right. It. That's what it looked like. But that's the wrong section. Does anyone have any more takes on 13 plays of Michigan defense? Thank you. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and uh, fire up the take machine. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience utilizador. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Conversion. Arte Perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find department stores, not find department stores. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. You can be who you want to be, you can be who you want to be. Went from trying to pay the rent, used to pen on men and made a dent. Yeah, time and again, make a good top ten. Not, not a politician and not you and When I meet face to face, shit, don't be late. I'm just talking on the phone, yeah, I'm not gonna wait. When you get to tell me, you better locate. If it's taking on my time, then you Beep, beep, yeah, I'm trying to come through Beep, beep, yeah, I'm bringing something new Beep, beep, yeah, I'm trying to come through Beep, beep, yeah, I'm bringing something new There's no limit, I'm trying to feel it Randy, I need takes so hot. They're Jim Harbaugh after he thinks there's been a simulated snap by Penn State's defense. (laughs) Seth, give me your hottest take. Michigan should recognize Charles Woodson for something else every single game. (laughs) I mean, he's going to be in town because we're on big noon kickoff every Every, single single week. week. And how many times have we brought him in the last few years? How many times have we brought Charles Woodson out and like given him some award or some picture or something? Yeah. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Every single game, we should just have like. There's enough commercial breaks, yeah. and that one is always uh, that one's always good. Hey, Xavier Simpson was at that game. I saw he was in like my section, and he walked up, and I was like, "What? Why is Xavier Simpson on the field? Like, like hook shotting a football over the goalposts? <laughs> we could do that too." <laughs> Like we gotta, we got, we got commercial breaks to fill. 
They 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 need they they do need to come up with better programming for our commercial breaks. You know, mm. no offense to the fewer oh, frisbee yeah. dogs. Yeah, the frisbee Listen, dog kind of got played out. This one, uh, Charles Woodson has a wine. We could celebrate his wine. Yeah, and, and a whiskey. The, but he's better than his wine, to be honest. But only in the sweets. He's yeah. turning whiskey into wine. He's turning whiskey into wine. <laughs> that's, that's that's not a hot. I don't know. I don't know what that is. This guy is like the polymath of his generation. Just have him like come out and like do something else. He can like do like you know. Oh, today we're gonna do an electricity uh, thing. Oh, he's even just, his interview. I want to just gonna do Bill Nye stuff with him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just have a Charles Woodson segment every single game. Even his interview with Harbaugh, and then give I, him a plaque. When I was watching the the rewatch, like. Right before the game started, he did a little interview with Harbaugh, and he was asking him about it and, you know, hey, what, what makes this team different? And he's like, honestly, like, I love connecting with people that don't have adult problems. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. And I was like, that's, that's a legitimate point. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, it's like college kids are, like, happy. They don't have the weight of the world on them oh as God. much as adults do. That was a great answer. It was. That is amazing. All right, Randy, give me your hottest take. Jake Moody should come back and use his COVID year to just be on special teams. <laughs> I know he's on special teams, but as the tip of the wedge. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he should come back and play linebacker because, yeah, I mean. Well, I know. Did you guys, I just meant that he should only, not as the kicker, but just be as the guy coverage. On, on coverage. Yeah. Because that. That tackle he made was insane. Yes, I was like, it was. There, there is no kicker makes that tackle ever. Well, there was the Penn State kicker who made that tackle on one of our dudes. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, we've, uh, we've brought up Joey Julius bad. already. I think that's on the seg. Not people have not heard that yet because oh, records yeah. out of order, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> our 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 Joey Julius take will now be derivative of yours. Yeah, <laughs> well done, <laughs> Jason. Give me your hottest take. The way to keep J.J. McCarthy all four years is to tell him there'll be more passing next year. (laughs) (laughs) So I do – it's so funny. Like, obviously, we ran for over 400 yards. Do we need for him to pass? No. But we'll keep telling him, look, Blake Corum's gone next year. And then Donovan Edwards will just be a great runner next year. And they'll be like, look, after that, we don't know what's going to happen. So you got to keep staying. Until it's completely your year, Edwards and then before we know it, we've got it. Edwards is a receiving back, just yeah, almost what the receiver is a running back. They're also besties, aren't they? I mean, like McCar- McCarthy and Edwards are Except like. Except for when he throws to the him, best, but they're best friends off the field, and you know that. I kind think of stuff. JJ McCarthy is like best friends with everybody. He just <laughs> he gives really off that is. vibe. It, it's it's pretty awesome to think about that. Like we did what we did yesterday without him having to do too much, and. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of cool. And you do kind of weirdly get the feeling that he might just stay for four years because he loves Michigan. He's, I don't I think that's going to happen, but I do think it's a possibility, you know. I do. I mean, just it's not, that kind of guy. And, yeah, and we you. have NIL now, so, like, we might be able to make up. NIL is going to help you keep a third rounder, but not J.J. McCarthy, No, but I think. if a guy's on the fence. Yeah, on the or, fence. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And he could make some serious bank as – J.J. Yep. McCarthy. So. Uh, yeah. Dave, give me your hottest take. Okay. My, my voice is too low from yelling yesterday okay. and a little bit on Friday, so I can't give you the voice, so I'll go with the Barry White. Okay. And I'll say that <laughs> Alabama will move up to number one for a close loss uh, on the road. I mean, <laughs> Alabama should be out. They've, yeah. They've, they've lost to Tennessee. They should have lost to Texas. The Quinn Ewers didn't even play most of that game. And then 
uh, they almost lost to A&M. Like, any other team with their resume would pretty much be out of the national championship picture right now. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I accept that they're Alabama, and everybody wants to see them that in was, the playoff. That was that was one of my rejected hot takes. Nobody wants Alabama to see Alabama in the playoff. I mean, no. I mean and ha- the eyeballs what do. What if Georgia beats if if uh, Tennessee Alabama, if Tennessee beats Georgia, and then Georgia beats Alabama? And well, no, and yeah. Alabama wins the the SEC and, championship, and then they'll put them in. Even though that's the thing, right? Yeah, like they're that. For some reason, the SEC is so much better about controlling the narrative. Like when because they have better teams. Yeah, Minnesota loses to Illinois. There you like go. Illinois. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota loses to Illinois. Like, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Minnesota <laughs> loses to Illinois. What's the narrative? What do we all say? We're all guilty of this. We're part of the problem. Okay. What, 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 what narrative Illinois, are you going for with this? I'm saying Minnesota loses to Illinois. We're all like, oh, Minnesota must not have been that good because they lost to Illinois. That's true, though. That, that is a fair point. Okay, but when Mi- Minnesota like, also lost at home to. Or Tennessee loses a game. SEC fan or or Ole Miss loses a game. That hasn't happened yet. I know, yeah. but, but it's going to happen, and SEC fans will be like, "Oh, what a great team!" If they didn't play in the tough SEC, you know. I mean, they're yeah, yeah. And then they go play Trevor in the bowl, and and the Big Ten actually outperforms them in the bowl. So there's Which, something behind. Twenty this. years ago, I would have been on your side with that but now the bowl games are just like I don't know what to expect some teams love them and take them seriously and they enjoy those trophies and I would be in on that Michigan doesn't really win bowl games so I don't get to enjoy those just as flimsy as ours they're just really good staying on message and we are too good at being Uh, honest about it I think Tennessee's legit this year so that loss for Alabama is legit all right I want to pitch I want to before you do this I want to pitch a new segment on the show it's just Dave Masternak tired about things that are happening in college football, and it's called Dave Masternackard or Dave Masternap. Give okay. him a nap. That would be if I fell asleep. We're gonna we're gonna we're yeah. gonna workshop that. Work All right, it. here's mine. Seth is allowed to say that Penn State is not very well coached. <laughs> <laughs> that was another one of my rejected hot take options here. So the past couple of weeks, Seth has said things like, oh, I don't know if the best receiver room in America is Stop, that no, well coached. No, I did not say that. I did not say that. And I, and you kind of tiptoed up to it. I, I, well, I've got, I paid for it because I had a whole week of Ohio State fans in my mention. Well... So. And then the block there was a, a work this week. someone uh, asserting something about Alabama, sort of similar. But if you want to say, I don't know if all these five-star talents are being <laughs> adequately deployed, Penn You're State allowed. is your oyster, baby. <laughs> it's not a hot take. That's why I was rejected. I, I could have said it, but it's not a hot take. James Franklin has been doing this for ages. All right. And he's got to tell you something. That's a coordinator James Franklin. Like him. James Franklin, in his headset, is listening to a true crime podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's definitely what's happening. Waiting to call a timeout on the goal line. Yep. (laughs) Yep. All right, if you can't get enough Sklars, hit up their Patreon. Check out the Nosebleeds. The first episode's up on YouTube. The rest of it's on UFC Fight Pass. And apparently they're in Brooklyn. In a car. Yes. So In a car doing a show. Not in a tunnel. So if you're in Brooklyn... Check Come it see out. us at the Bell House. We'll be at the Bell House tonight with Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show and Andrew Dismukes from Saturday Night Live and a great band that we've suggested that you guys play on this podcast. Uh, Max from Cutworms is our musical guest. It's Dumb People Town Live at the Bell House tonight, one night only, uh, 730. 
this podcast will not come out until after the show. <laughs> Perfect. So everyone who came out, we just want to say thank you to everyone who came out. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. It was a great show. All right, thanks. Blake. See you guys. Bye, guys. All right, uh, special teams, game theory kind of stuff. We don't really have a whole lot. Michigan made its field goals. Penn State made its field goal. I thought Michigan was correct to go for all of its field goals. Like there were yeah. a couple like yeah, there why was... aren't you going for this? People? Yeah. Well, if you if you know the outcome of the game ahead of time, then you're probably like, ah, we should go for it. But you know, you're coming down on the first drive of the game, you want to get points, and the second time you're like, well, you, I mean, you got to get points. Well, and... in particular, when they're up fourteen and it's third and long, right? Just running the ball and kicking the field goal is game over. That yeah. one, yeah, yeah, that one was easy because you made it a three score game. Yeah, variance is the only problem in this game. Why add more? Yeah. Well, and also, yeah, it's three scores. It's it's, it's a yeah. ball game. So mm-hmm. I didn't have any problem with any of that. And honestly, talking about fourth down decision making is I saw David Shaw go for it on fourth and two in plus territory twice against Notre Dame yesterday. That was the game you were and watching? This, this is like a... Yeah, Notre Dame lost to Stanford. Of course I was watching that, that game. Utah-USC game is pretty... I watched the I watched the, the end of that too, so... Okay. Uh, but anyway, if David Shaw is going for it <laughs> on not even fourth and one, I don't even think... I think we just declare victory and we can stop talking about this stuff. Yeah, but we have a whole segment for it. <laughs> I mean, I know. we can talk about Jake Moody making a tackle and then standing up Oh my flexing. God. Yeah. <laughs> And the crowd was going moody, <laughs> and that was that was actually so. Singleton fumbles the ball, and you're like, "All right, here we go." And then if Moody doesn't make it. that, it, it hits him in the hands. He drops and he kicks it. Yeah. Well, if Moody doesn't make that tackle, it, that's that could be a big return. It's a big return. I don't know if it's a touchdown. And I I was talking to a couple of people, and they're like, "Yeah, I think it's a touchdown." And then I was watching the replay. I'm like, "I don't know if he has. I, I think someone has the angle." But was that, that was the one where Green was held too, because I was getting ready to like get mad about. I don't remember. Yeah, but it was it was a big play. Yes, <laughs> from and he from... just went low and <laughs> up, and then got up. And <laughs> Honestly, at that point, don't you have to take a 15 yard penalty? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you morally obligated to like give him like the suck it DX and then take your helmet off and wave it around? You're the kicker. Yeah. You, the way this game is going, you can take the 15 yards, and then you will live in immortality forever. It's, that's true. I mean, Penn State's like the, the one that's kicker. known for well, – yeah. Penn State's got the kicker, the, the fat guy who made the – I shouldn't call anybody a fat guy. Julius? Yeah, a fat guy. yeah Joey Julius. So, like, they're, they're known for the kicker making a big tackle, too. Yeah. Like, you should have done a Joey Julius. A thumper. Thumper. Yeah, and then I thought uh, A.J. Henning did – pretty well like he yep. had, uh punt returns kick returns we i'm i'm i don't know don't exist anymore well, he really. returned a few of them yeah Michigan but does try to return those to like because they feel like there's an opportunity and like okay shoot your shot 20, you know yeah we're michigan we're shooting our shot we I get, w- we I get was, the ball at the 20 it says five more yards for blake Corum. i was getting it i was That's ready to get point. annoyed one time because they got they started the uh, they started on the 19, and I'm like, oh, God, if this ends at the 6, I'm going to be so mad this time. Because <laughs> <laughs> this game, like, it works. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the the punt returns, you're right, because he fields the one. It's a, it's a short punt with the wind, yeah. weirdly, and it bounces way in front of him, which he can't come up and catch that because he can't anticipate a short punt going with the wind. Especially from this guy. Right. And then he gets it on the hop, though, and probably saves a good 10 
12 yards at and least. those are really important yards because you don't want to get because you're inside your own yeah, you're inside yeah. your own 20 you can just come out and r- run your offense instead of burning it down on getting out from underneath the goal line yeah and then the second punt return he, he i think cuts back towards the uh, west side and gets about i don't know what it's close to 10 yards eight yards something like that which is which is i mean not a punt return and the, that's the, good the decisions are the important part right Correct. like so we know that aj heading can make some magic happen and here he didn't take some bad risks he took a good risk when he fielded the one on the hop and i think we're kind of past the point where we're all worried about what's going to happen when heading's back there I, Art, yeah i'm not worried you know the the does he have a ceiling? Like, is there another receiver who could have gotten to the to that pop up? Like, Jabril Peppers, but other than that, no. Right. So uh, that, that's where our complaint level is. Just like, I'm sorry, he's only a minus B plus. Like, since like like Mike Hart has been this website's favorite uh-huh. running back for 20 years. It's going to be like uh, Jabril Peppers. Jabril, oh, yeah. yeah. When like there will be some point where there's someone returning punts who is Jabril Peppers again, and then we'll be like, oh, he's the gold standard. Yeah. So let's talk about Brad Robbins. Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> Holder of the year. <laughs> yeah, man, he was he was crucial on many of those he had special more, teams there, plays. There he was had, there was a high snap, but he got it down, and, and Moody got it over the bar. He had more PSAs on the stadium scoreboard than he did punts. He did by yeah. two. Tennessee Alabama was fifty two forty nine in regulation, and both those teams punted more than Michigan. <laughs> was that one of your tweets? That was one of my tweets. I can say it out loud, too. You can read tweets. Not everyone reads tweets. Well, I do. You know who does? Michigan. Because Penn State players were tweeting before this game. Oh, and yeah. That led to the whole, like, scuffle in the... In the oh, in yeah. Time. Thanks to Isaiah Hole for, yeah. for bringing that to the world. Because, <laughs> you know, after, after last year's Ohio State game, I am, I am so down for any halftime shenanigans in the tunnel. It just, just, like... Tunnel tussles. Oh, yeah. I guess Michigan State. It's going to be, oh, there's going to be a video and people are going to be barking at each other. Yeah. <laughs> one tunnel. One tunnel at Michigan so State. So they go for two. Yes? Um, no. I. It was, it was a weird time. It was like third third quarter. Game is still obviously. No, because like at that point, you don't know if you're going to be in whatever situation and you're going to need to go for two again. So they're up six. Yeah. And uh, they're up five. Sure, yeah, throw up five. Um, in my opinion, I thought the chances that they kick two more field goals with Michigan was less than the chances that they kick they get one more touchdown than Michigan, if you get what I'm saying. Okay. So you want to go up seven. You want to yeah. go up seven. Because like, the, 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 are... the point that it's relevant for you is if Penn State kicks two field goals. Sure. And that didn't really feel like it was going to happen. Now, Penn State could get a fluky touchdown. Right. And they did. We, we've seen that before got in this game. Kind of two, two of them. So at that point, if your offense somehow shuts down, then you would be tied. So banking on two weird things happening that lead to field goals instead of one weird thing happening, I thought it was right to call. They also had a nice play. That, that was the thing too. I was a little tiffed that like of all the goal line plays, like we but we had some other good goal line plays that were we had an RPS two there to, to Edwards, but. That Edwards play kind of set this one up because Bell's coming in on the tunnel screen. You got two tight ends uh-huh. out wide, and you can see Joey Porter is on Bell, and Porter stays outside instead of coming in because he knows that Michigan's been running those whip routes. So he's afraid of getting whipped, where like you start or Z, whatever you want to call it, pivot. Pip, I I've been always called them whips. 
So we try to stick with NCAA football ter- terminologies because that's the most. <laughs> that's that's our our. That's our the, kind of the lingua franca. Kind of, right. Although it hasn't been ex- in existence for a while, so we, yeah, we'll need to. Well, I was like, this is like eight years ago, guys. I know, but this is this is just what we've we've generally okay. used. Okay. Um, but anyway, I think there was a Madden that called it a whip route, and that got stuck in my head. We're just gonna yeah. okay. So what happens is ninety five. You, you you fake like you're running a slant, and then you run it out basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. And they'd done that with Edwards earlier. And, like, you know, McCarthy missed the throw, but, like, they saw it and they were worried about it. And then they run that play with Bell. And, no, it was a little different because Bell yeah, was different, from outside. Yeah. But it's still still the same setup. And Bell comes inside those tight ends. And Porter stays outside the whole play. Porter's tr- like, oh, i got to maintain leverage here. Right. And that was not the correct thing right. to do. Right. But, I mean, I thought it was set up. And uh, I mean, also because they're running from under center on that play, so it, like no one else is going to be involved but the three guys out there. Yeah. That was the Brady to Edelman two point conversion to tie the Super Bowl when the Patriots came back down twenty three. That was the play yeah. they ran. Oh, yeah, I didn't remember that. That was the one where you got to hand it to the. I mean, you got to hand it to the beast. <laughs> anyway, so we're we're sorry, Seattle people who were just got like body slammed out of nowhere out of no the, no 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 that that yeah. was a, that was a different Super Bowl. Oh, that, that was that yeah, was yeah, the, yeah. that was the interception. Yeah, that was the interception. The Malcolm Butler interception. This yeah. was when they were down, and this he, was the Atlanta one. Yeah, the Atlanta three. one. Where yeah, he come, yeah, yeah. Where, where, never cut out touchdown, Tom. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Edelman comes underneath two receivers, catches and turns up field for two You're yards right, and burrows. Right. I, I, there's, anyway, do there's we have so many? They run together. Do we have any more things we need to get off our chest? You had something about Michigan's substitution penalty. Well, I, I don't think Penn State substitutes, and Michigan That's tries, yeah. and Mozzie Smith ends up in the literally the middle of nowhere as like the thirteenth guy on the field. And that, and, and, and I, that's the thing I don't understand is that if the other team subs, doesn't substitute, you can't. And if you want to, you get to. But what do you have to do first? Uh, Call a timeout. Oh, yeah. That's what you have to do. You have to burn a timeout like James Franklin did there on we the go. goal line. Goal line to save right? himself a couple inches. Right. And and it's first and goal, and he's like, I don't like the defense I have out when they need two inches, so I'm going to call a timeout, which I, I, I stood up and applauded him because I was like, there's my James Franklin timeout of the game. Yeah. And so do... Michigan needed to do that. If you really need Mozzie Smith off the field in that situation, whatever, call your timeout. Get him off the field. I thought Michigan believed that they were uh, that they they moved a guy out because they were they had two tight ends on the field and gone wide with it and they were like well they didn't substitute so they didn't substitute. right if they thought that they substituted then that's the problem that we need to address yeah it is possible that the Indiana illegal substitution penalty was also not a substitution because we didn't actually see it I don't know if anyone was there who actually saw Indiana substitute. But that might have not been the ref screwing up, but it might have been Michigan I, screwing no, up. And when Clatt was, called it out. Maybe he was right. No, when I was uprooted that one, there was, there was. There was a wide receiver who, okay. who ran off. And Michigan noted it and did that. Because Michigan, I think, in that game had somebody watching anytime mm-hmm. Indiana subbed and then took as long as possible subbing. I mean, there, there were some tempo issues that Michigan had. But one thing that I thought was good is that uh, often Sandersill was kind of late getting out. But then when he did, he was like running directly at the – wide receiver screen uh-huh. and blew it up. We actually kind of use it to his advantage. But <laughs> tempo is still kind of an issue for Michigan. It was weird that Franklin <clears throat> chose to go tempo only after the game was pretty much over. Well, I mean, like it wasn't that, that was bad. Bag. No, it was like Michigan was up 7 or 14 at that point. Like, it was definitely not over, over. I mean, no. spiritually it was over, but it wasn't out of, out of reach. Michigan also went tempo on the goal line for that, what, third and one, and then at the goal line again when they got the first down, they tried to go 
tempo to get the quick touchdown, and that's when Franklin calls a timeout. Yeah. I mean, I that's something that, you know, they started doing last year, and we've seen it a bit this year. But, I mean, you still remember back to, like, the 18 Indiana when I <laughs> just had no idea what they're doing. And it's good to see that they're recognizing that. I think that McCarthy turned to look at the sideline after that play as they're unpiling, and he sees whatever signal they're giving him, gets everybody up, and moves everybody along, and they do it. And the first time, Penn State doesn't have anyone set. So they win the play because the lineman's hands aren't even in the ground yet. Do you think Weiss is doing like a compared to the other offensive coordinators at Michigan, a lot better job of like packaging things and like, oh, that plays off of that so, and that plays off. Well, of that. I was. It's hard to tell who does what. Uh, maybe, maybe you know better than I do, but I, I, I mean, you're talking about insider stuff, and it's too hard to get that out of the program anyway. But yeah, like, I'm guessing that like Weiss is the one who's kind of like organizing things usually the guy who's up in the box is the one who's seeing all the patterns that yeah. are going down on the field so usually if there's a guy in a box i think he's the primary guy play caller or does our like like game plan well, designer Sh- more is designing the running game i think and then weiss is kind of not necessarily like the passing game but like the overall like okay you're in charge of designing the game plans because more has the offensive line and so we have a big job co-offensive coordinators and then we have mike hart as our run game coordinator right so it's just and Jim Harbaugh, yeah, because somebody was asking me yesterday, who, who's who do you think is calling the plays? And I was like, I don't know. There's five names in a bag I could pull out, and there's a good chance I'm right, or, or there's a bad, there's probably a good chance I'm wrong because of the sheer volume of people you're trying to pick from. On, honestly, we know the answer because Harbaugh calls plays the same way that Bo did, where like you know if you have an idea, you shout it out into the headset, and you know they have a process of like. It's it's the hard, head coach's call in the end, but you know for a while he'll just let the guy in the box call the plays, and you know they talk to each other for a couple of seconds before they play, and then they call a play and they go. So that's interesting if they're still doing that, and I think it's sort of worth talking about because that's what we thought was going on for the first few years, and that's what led to their inability to a go tempo and b have to burn timeouts because they were the play was ticking down. But now somehow they're doing the same process and still getting out of the huddle like you have been saying all year That's with true. like 18 or 15 seconds. I, I mean, how many... So delayed? how does that... I mean, maybe we don't know and maybe it doesn't matter and this isn't the time, but how does that I, I have a good uh, guess and I want to emphasize this okay. guess. I don't okay. know anything inside. But I think that having guys who are younger uh, helps because then it's... Harbaugh is the is the final guy who makes the final say, and it's not as hard to step on each other's. I think you have to have – if you're going to do that style, you have to have a very understood chain of command. I mean, if I had to guess, okay, what I'm thinking is that Harbaugh is, like, able to say things like, all right, let's run this here or run that here, there. But most of the time, he's probably just letting Weiss run the show. And then occasionally someone will interject something else. But because the – you're right. The complicated system where there's a lot of guys with their hand in the pie. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to jive with the fact that they've had one de- delay a game penalty this year and maybe two or three timeouts all year because of uh, play calling issues and not uh, like the wrong guy ran on the field. Mm-hmm. So Well, McCarthy a couple times was slow to get people in position and yeah stuff. but but that's a different that's, issue yeah the, yeah the getting the call in has been an issue like twice because i'm a guy who occasionally screams in the stands get the play in so <laughs> is that a direct quote or do you add yes. colorful language to that mostly it's just get the play in cause, okay. but uh so that hasn't really been an issue this no. year that's very astute and Dave. it didn't really last year it wasn't really last year 
either. He was on defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but not necessarily on offense. Like I said. But I don't think know. we've really answered the question about like putting packages together that worked together. And the answer is yes, they are better at it this year. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we've got the arc. And now it works because our quarterback can read it out. And now we're adding frippery to it. Oh, frippery. Yes. <laughs> You're so happy. Give me the frippery. Well, I thought last week was going to be an RPS blowout. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought I thought Michigan got crushed. And I was very irritated by a lot of the stuff that Indiana was able to do against the ground. But I still came out with Michigan like plus four. And that was like their worst game of the season. And that, I mean, Gaddis or whatever Michigan was doing last year which I no longer think was Gaddis, or at least not primarily Gaddis. I mean, Gaddis is probably in the Weiss role. I mean, he, he's he's involved, but look he at Michigan's a... offense last year. Do you think Josh Gaddis is – well, you think that was his vision? No, no. that was not his vision. Um, and then given what we've seen from Miami this year, like it seems impossible to believe that he was the source of the competence. No, he was the source of the RPOs, and there, there were things in there – there are – there are certain, especially with the the route combinations, where I think that we missed Gaddis a little bit. That he he knew what he was doing with receivers and like how to play them off each other. I mean, I don't even know about that. Like we've had Roman Wilson wide open downfield a lot. We've had like RPOs, like the Scootmaker touchdown from last week. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. And the one that uh, JJ pulled out against uh, was it Maryland. Uh, the Bell touchdown. I guess that was one. I guess one of the. Meat, meatballs. They all roll. Those are rolled together. But just in terms of like what works with something else, yeah. Like honestly, the touchdown, the Edwards touchdown in this game, where they're holding that linebacker because it looks like something that could be JJ booting out the back. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty good. Um, so you you bring in a, a literal Madden kid. He was literally the Madden kid for yeah. the Ravens. Yeah, that's what they thought he was good at before he moved up. And so I'm, I'm always like, I'm on board. Like, I think that you're, what, you're like secretly puppeting this program. <laughs> no, I am not. Um, sorry. Do we need to edit that out? Seth? No, no, but no, that was, that, <laughs> it's funny. Cause like people is, they, they ran the pass and like four people tweeted at me like, Oh, I'm like, all right, that wasn't like, they're not stupid. They know all of this. They yeah. have analysts yeah, who are yeah. also pointing this out to them. Yeah. They, they don't need some voice from the wilderness complaining about how they'd never because there's someone in the building who's doing the same thing who's like you guys gotta do this well and that's that's the thing and we don't need to get to like big picture stuff here but that that Harbaugh's just fixed his issues whenever he's had an issue going down year after year after year he's generally fixed them and that's like well, the big he, deal he's beelined his his offense problems that he hadn't in 15 well i mean his brother was just like hey have all my best coaches <laughs> or like my real up and well you know i like this guy Let's try him out in college and season him, and then send me a new DC. Well, and like, I mean, because that's that I mean, wasn't the plan. I think with McDonald is like he thought McDonald was ready to become a DC. And well, they they I think they had an unexpected departure at defensive coordinator, right? Like last year, yeah, the Ravens did. Yeah, the Ravens did. And then McDonald was like, "I hate recruiting." Completely fair. Yeah, and so he went, and then it's just like, all right, well, what about the other guy who's also the Ravens guy? All right, that's fine. And uh, hey, you want our Madden kid? Yes. <laughs> yes, I want your Madden kid. This is a really nice connection to have. Yeah. I mean, Weiss was the guy I mean, you on have the one plane the... with Harbaugh when he went to go meet with the Vikings. He's like, Jim obviously loves Weiss. It's, I mean, it's one of the best organizations in the NFL. 
Yeah. And which makes you the best organization in football. Well, one of. I'm not going to say they're the best, but they're I would go that far. They're they're pretty high up there. They, they I mean they never had Tom Brady. Well, yeah. no, they never had Tom Brady, but like and they were still competent. That's what he's saying. Is that they that's what I mean. Like they it's clear that a lot of the success that the Patriots that's had for exactly, 20 years yeah. was Tom Brady. Thing, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that that Belichick isn't really good at stuff, but it's clear that Brady was a huge part of that. And the Ravens have not really had I mean Joe Flacco was good at times. Yeah. Lamar Jackson has had his moments. But, I mean, the Ravens have been good. They won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. Yeah. I, 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 at was risk that, was that John Harbaugh? No. Okay. That was before him. Yeah. Way yeah. before him. That's what I thought. But, I mean, they were, they've been good since basically, sorry, Craig, they left Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so this is an organization that has just guys coming out their ears. Yeah. And guess who else was a... Ravens assistant Jay Harbaugh. Yes, true. Now, he's the QC guy, but yeah. like, I don't think that's uncorrelated with the fact that he's maybe the best special teams coach in America. Yeah, and, and I don't think he wants to take any of the credit for it, but like, it's kind of hard to deny what he's done. And every single position he goes and coaches, they are like they stock up on tight ends, they stock up on running backs. Well, that's always hard to tell who's doing what there, but I mean. The guy recruited Blake Corm, Zach Charbonnet, and Hassan Haskins. That's the that's a fact. Well, only one of those was like a was a weird scout. The other the other two were like, okay, here's a guy at Biff Pogey's school. We should probably get him, and then Char- Charbonnet. Yeah, I'm just glad I can be happy that Charbonnet is good. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, because where does he rank in Michigan's running backs of the last few years? Third, Third. <laughs> behind yeah. the two other guys who have been taking care of Also, who the thought Zach Charbonnet was going to be in college in his senior year? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I, he was. We were mad when he got his fifth star. We were like, "Oh no, you're going to break." Well, it. in 2019, we're like, "This guy's picking up blitzes. He looks good in the run game. Yeah. If he catches a couple passes. We'll see in a couple yeah. of years." But we also started realizing Haskins was better, and that was kind of a uh, that, that well. Was I mean, he put the ball on the deck at a very inopportune time. I don't even know if he is better than if Haskins is better. Like, I think they had just. I will had, not suffer this. I will not. Have, have you Haskins? seen him? I yes, he's, he's great. I mean, he's great. Like he's. He's yeah. that dude. I mean, and UCLA is really good this year, so not a, not a coincidence. All right, let's uh, talk to Jamie. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately one hundred thousand. It doesn't have to though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan, dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, 
visit them at any of their convenient locations or, under, or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248 248- 682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com I have been exploring the venue menu. God, that was... I, 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 I had no name, idea. This was going to be a problem. <laughs> I, I didn't want to do that, but I've done it. But I had their uh, fried chicken sandwich. It was excellent. It's a fried chicken thigh, which means that you don't get any of the like, oh, this is overcooked and it's really stringy. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's got pickles on it. It's amazing. It's terrific. I tried the burger. It was actually really good, too. Yeah. And... It's just right next to where I park my coast, my car after a hockey game. So it's just like, do, 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 show up, hang out, have a good Manhattan, talk to Thad. <laughs> it's fun. Are you coming here tonight? This, this is coming out after the game, so. Uh, we'll see. I got to I gotta run it by the guy I'm going to the game with. He might have to get back to his yeah, sure. uh, family. Yeah. But, but anyway. It's kind of cool this place exists, isn't it? The food, the food is amazing. It's yeah. amazing. We welcome Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. You know, we're well into the second half of October now, and a uh, Michigan, Tennessee, TCU, and Syracuse college football playoff is still on the table. In yeah. fact, I would say that might be even alive and kicking. Well, yeah, that's definitely what we're going to see happen. That's from <laughs> from your ears to God's eyes. What does that mean? Right. I don't know. Yes. I'm in my basement conjuring that whole thing up. All right. So we had competitive games uh, yeah. this week probably because Ohio State was off. We're going to open up with Michigan's next opponent. Michigan State gets off the schneid with a 34-28 double overtime victory over Wisconsin in a game they deserve to win. Wisconsin racks up 283 yards of offense, which is unfathomable against this garbage defense. They throw for four yards in attempt. And uh, Michigan State's uh, Peyton Thorne actually does pretty well for himself. Puts up 290 yards passing at 8.5 yards a pop. 
nobody can really run the ball, but they managed to get it to overtime and then get the uh, touchdown to Jaden Reed to seal it. Yeah, I mean, just to review, on the four-game losing streak that Michigan State was on coming into the game, they had been allowing 10 yards per pass. So the Badgers put up a sub-five effort. Uh, That's just – that's terrible. I mean, they didn't even have 100 yards passing until we got well into the fourth quarter. Um, When we got into uh, overtime, so at the end of regulation, uh, their leading receiver in catches and yards was their running back, Braylon Allen, and their leader in targets was their tight end, Jack Eisenbach. Jeez. Um, We raved last week about Shamiri DK finally showing up, and after dominating with 10 targets last week, he only had five targets against Michigan State. Two of them were on the first drive, and that included an 18-yard third and long conversion that set up first and goal. It was a pretty pretty sweet catch and run. He burned Angelo Gross, and then he had the 25-yard TD in overtime where he burned a Michigan State defender. In between that, their leading receiver, two targets, three yards. Why do they hate this guy? Why do they hate passing? Why do they hate football? I mean, I, you know, I, how this do you, is just how do you not throw the ball against Michigan against Michigan right. State? Right, and and you know, Brian, as you alluded to, the running game—it's not like the running game was all that efficient. I mean, Braylon Allen ended up putting up, I think, 138 yards, but he needed 28, 29, 29. carries rather to do that. You know, but you know what? I'm going to do the take out your best play game. I'm going to take out his best play, take out his 34-yard run. He had 28 carries, 87 yards. Michigan State had a better success rate running the football than Wisconsin. So it's not like you were dominating Michigan State running the football. I don't understand why you just don't do what everybody else has done and just throw caution to the wind and chuck the ball around a lot. But, you know, I guess, I mean, at this point, it's pretty obvious that Graham Graham Mertz is a two-star and and not a four-star. I mean, Graham Mertz put up 131 yards of offense against Michigan State. Yeah. Now they did get Henderson back. Xavier Henderson fixes all. I'm I'm channeling the Michigan State brother here, but they, well, uh, he did make a great play on the goal line one time. Xavier Henson just like stopped Raylan Allen's. Um, well, that's where Michigan State excels at the one yard line and nowhere else. Uh, right. Uh, well, does if Chris is still the coach, do they does Wisconsin throw the ball more? Maybe uh, I don't know because the quarterbacks guy. He I was mean, the but one, like always advocating throwing. He's like, the one who like gave them this crap sandwich, like. I don't. I have yeah. no. It's not like they I were no more inclined what, to throw the ball when he was the coach. I think to me the disappointing thing is if Chris was still the coach, I kind of feel like the same result would have happened. You know, because we were wondering, you know, why they weren't throwing the ball a little bit more anyway. We've been wondering for a couple seasons why DK disappears from the offense, for example. Uh-huh. So I think that's the sad part from Wisconsin's standpoint is things probably would have been the exact same with Chris and and. I mean, do they go to the drawing board now with a full-time head coach? I mean, do, this kind of almost feels like it's such a wobbly result that how can you really feel confident with full-time head coach Jim Leonard? Uh, I th- I think it's less <laughs> likely now. Like, if there was a chance they were going to actually like go, you know, and get Leipold, Leipold, Leipold. I think that went up a little bit. Now I know that he's not a he's coached in Wisconsin, but he's not a Wisconsin guy. But right. like, you know, if you're gonna if there was reason to look outside the program, I think before maybe they, you know, Leonard was a good enough candidate. They're like, okay, but if you lose this game, it might maybe convince some people that it's time to kind of, you know, go to the next. I, I mean, the one thing is, is that so we're talking about how Mertz is terrible, but you know, Leonard is the defensive coordinator, and their defense is not up to its usual standard. No, 
they're uh, they're rebuilding in the secondary. They're playing a couple transfers because they don't want to go with a full youth movement back there. They've got a lot of nice redshirt freshmen and true freshmen that they feel comfortable with. You know, maybe circa t- 2024. But yeah, they're they're totally rebuilding. You know, if Nick Herbig doesn't make a few big plays here and there, Michigan State might might put up a few more points yesterday. I mean, this was a 21-21 game in regulation, so it's not like Michigan State like put and it was up huge numbers. To seven until late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and like. They and they had them way back on like the Michigan State three yard line, and then uh, there's just a breakdown in coverage, and they allow like a fifty something yard play to a tight end. It's Backup tight end, seventy two. I think. Yeah, seventy two. I mean, that's a yeah. familiar name for recruit next because that was Malik Carr, right? Who all the, for Bellamy? Who all the Michigan fans were like, "Why aren't we going to go get this guy?" And everybody was like, "Well," uh, and then he went to Purdue and yeah. like pretty much immediately washed out. Yeah. And the funny thing is that Wisconsin lost Logan Brown uh-huh. to the portal, and then Lentner's like, that guy got kicked off our team. <laughs> and guess where everybody expects Logan Brown to go? Michigan yeah. State. Mm-hmm. So, like, every malcontent in, in, in the Big Ten, everybody who can't go home again is like, well, I'll go to Michigan State. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Suck getting the to the Spartans. Yeah. Well, getting to the Spartans in this game, you guys are going to – you guys are going to be fit to be tied when you when you break them down come game week because you almost have to look at this Wisconsin tape because <laughs> the defensive lineup is so different than what we've seen before that it really wouldn't be that instructive to go back to like the Washington or the Minnesota games, for example. Uh, Jeff Slade hadn't played since week two against Akron. 31 snaps yesterday. I believe he led defensive tackles and snaps for Michigan State. Xavier Henderson, you mentioned, hadn't played since week one. 54 snaps yesterday. Um it was Dylan Tatum's turn, true freshman four-star, to get a chance in the secondary, and he played 34 sort of solid-ish snaps. Another West Bloomfield name, by the way. Yep, yep yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, Aaron Brule averaged less than 20 snaps a game coming into the game, had 48 snaps yesterday, most that outside linebacker. And then Jacoby Winman, who we all were like, hey, this is this could be a good good linebacker for Michigan State, but he'd been playing defensive end all year. Well, they finally moved him to linebacker yesterday. Of his 64 snaps, 54 were inside linebacker after not playing that position all season, uh, after taking no snaps, rather, at that spot all season. And what, what those two linebacker moves have done is it's uh, less exposure for Cal Halliday in the passing, you know, in pass coverage, so he can kind of focus more downhill. And it kind of negates Ben Van Sumeren, period. You know, he was an every-down player yeah. until yesterday. He only had 18 snaps yesterday. And he was a huge liability in in pass coverage. So they've kind of changed things around. It worked a little bit yesterday. And and why it's going to be really frustrating for you guys is because you almost have to look at the Wisconsin tape, but it's also just not a good offense to really attack Michigan State's new look because of everything we've we've discussed. You know, Grand Mertz's inability, just their overall strategy. You know, so it's just it's just weird. I don't know what to make of the new defensive look. I don't think it's going to work against Michigan, but you know, when they play, you know, Rutgers and uh, Northwestern, or they've already played Northwestern, Rutgers in Indiana, and maybe even Penn State in November, this, 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 could, this could help them stay in those games. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a development, and they'll have a bye week to sort of consolidate. Mm-hmm. Both teams have yeah. a bye before the uh, Paul Bunyan game. But, I mean, this Wisconsin team has just been so bad. I don't know if it's enough yeah. of a good sign for Michigan State to be like, okay, we squeeze one out over Wisconsin. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's why, I mean, it's like, 
that's great that they've got this new defensive lineup. They didn't, they still didn't really score well. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not score points, but as far as grading out, whether it's PFF or whether it's their own bloggers, the, a lot of the defensive players still didn't, you know, didn't score great, but I guess C's do get degrees. So, uh, th- I mean, they, they don't have bloggers who are checking these who are going to a firing. We're, we have Michigan State fans who literally tell us that, like, they can't wait for the faux film on Michigan State because it's, like, the first time they get a real breakdown of their team. Huh. Um, but, well, like, my cram couch isn't out there in the salt mines. <laughs> there, there are people who would be willing to do it, uh, who, the, the state fan base, just not the, the people who want to know what's going on. Like, Before they don't really want to know what's going on at the end of the half or at the end of the fourth quarter there all right yeah jamie oh well do you want to you if we want to talk about the end of regulation sequence we can i was going to just actually mention you know is michigan state the best team best team ohio state's played this year uh notre dame notre dame notre dame not good but stanford yeah you know you know what i just bring that up i bring that up because i actually just want to say this is my way of bringing Notre Dame into the conversation. That I was afraid that without Brian Kelly, Notre Dame losses would not be as fun. But no, I'm so glad to be proven wrong. Their losses have been extremely fun <laughs> this year, and they're uh, not as fun. You know, Stanford and Marshall. Stanford and Marshall. Name, give me two teams whose only FBS win is against Notre Dame. So maybe Michigan State is Ohio State's best win so far this year. I don't know. Maybe All right. it's not Wisconsin. No, we are going to move on to a Thank barn you. burner. Purdue 43, Nebraska 37. From Michigan perspective, the most important thing is walk on Devin Maccabee put up a buck 78 on 30 carries against the Nebraska defense. What on earth is going to happen when Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards roll in? Right. I mean, it was a lot of times they were just collapsing collapsing the edge and Maccabee was able to get to it. And 12 yards later, he's being tackled. Right. It's just like, isn't that seems like a Blake corn bread and butter type of thing. Yeah. Um, how about this? Purdue ran 101 plays to Nebraska's 52. Yeah. Nebraska actually outgains them on a per play basis, 9.2 to six. <laughs> yeah. And gets outgained by 140 yards. Yeah. Yeah. According to games on paper, Nebraska's explosive play rate of 13% was was within the 90th percentile of all of all teams uh, this week. That was pretty pretty interesting. Um it was a back and forth game, but there weren't any lead changes like you would think in a back and forth game. This was all about Purdue time and time again establishing a double digit multi-score lead and Nebraska answering, you know, with a quick strike to get back into the game. Purdue had 10 nothing, 27-10, 34-23 and 43 to 30 leads only to see Nebraska tie them back up at 10 and crawl to within 27-23, 34-30, and 43-37. But after that last score, Purdue ran out the game's final five minutes and 55 seconds. And their first three plays, Devin Mockabee, Devin Mockabee, Devin Mockabee, and they got two first downs. They forced Nebraska into their timeouts, and that really put them in a position where they could kneel down. Okay. Nebraska just gave up a six-minute Four-minute drill uh-huh. to yes. Purdue. Who's Super not good. been able to do that on anybody? And anybody with a, with a walk with a walk-on redshirt sophomore running back who doesn't have a bio on Purdue's roster yet. <laughs> like I clicked on his bio, thinking I could find some fun fact, you know, this and that. There's nothing there. That's the fun nothing fact. There. He's been on the roster for a couple of years. They still don't have a bio for him. <laughs> and doesn't even spell Maccabee right. 
No, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, so if Purdue could have done this against Penn State, they would have won that game. Uh-huh. They couldn't. Yeah. And Penn- Michigan did what they did to Penn State. Are we projecting 800 yards rushing against Nebraska? Yeah. It's gonna, I think it's going to be ugly. I mean, they have to tackle Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, I mean, and they can't tackle. Do you remember the start? Do you remember the start of the 2018 Michigan Nebraska game? Uh, I believe so. Two huge Karan Higdon touchdown. Yeah, yeah. I think both were 50 plus. That was when we just and that game was, that was 14 nothing before, before five minutes old. I mean, I could see something like that happening for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, good God. Nebraska is just are they the worst team left on the schedule? We're playing Rutgers at some point. Mm, they played each other. I mean, they, the they put up, Nebraska, I mean they put so. up a lot of points in this game. Yeah, they, Nebraska they, by one. They got a real quarterback, which Rutgers does not. Mm-hmm. So that that probably yeah. puts them over the hump. And now it's yeah. Purdue versus Illinois for the Big Ten West, maybe. I mean, yeah, that looks like it. I mean we Cats and dogs living together. The schedule's out, but you know, both both only have one loss. But they're both to an East team, Illinois to IU, and as you mentioned, Purdue to Penn State. So there's no no tiebreaker losses hanging around either of their necks right now. Wisconsin has three losses. Iowa has two losses, and go and they go to Columbus this Saturday. They both have a tiebreaker over a two-loss team, Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely looking like November 12th, the day of the Nebraska-Michigan game that Illinois and Purdue are going to play for the West. But then Illinois comes to Ann Arbor the very next weekend. So, guys – over under one and a half Illinois Michigan games this year. What you got? Uh, I'm going to go under. I think, yeah. I think Purdue's got it. Because one of the things is that so Purdue's remaining schedule is Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, and Indiana. Ooh. All teams that are basically non functional, at least on well, one side of the ball. And, and if Purdue wins that Illinois game, those last two games against uh, that you mentioned, they're not going to lose those. So no, there's going to be no chance for Illinois to make up ground if they lose head to head. And then Illinois has Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan, Northwestern. That that trip to Michigan is like they'll so they can lose. They can drop a game if they beat Purdue, but they got no chance uh, if they lose that game. And Purdue. Might be able to if mm-hmm. Illinois trips up against uh, they could trip up against Nebraska maybe Michigan State Northwestern probably not uh, so just based on performance so far I think you got to give it to Illinois but like they're not that far ahead of Purdue that I think not having to play Michigan isn't a big advantage for them oh yeah absolutely it, it's a little absolutely. weird from a Michigan perspective that like we finally get Wisconsin off the schedule and all of a sudden Illinois turns into Wisconsin well I mean that's what always happens we're like oh. We gotta play these guys, and then they roll it off the yeah. schedule, and then they become terrible. Yeah, well, like I mean, Northwestern happened. Like we used to play them every year, and they were pretty good. And then as soon as we stopped playing them, it's like all right, three and nine, three and nine, three and nine. We played them last year, and they're pretty bad. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking about someone else. Never mind. Well, not not no, but, not but, only is Illinois. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, not only is Illinois back on Michigan schedule, but they're back on Michigan schedule the week before the Ohio State game with maybe the best running back Michigan will have played until then. And maybe the best secondary Michigan will have played until then. I mean, it's just it's crazy how uh, how the Illini have evolved in such a short time over Brett Blima. I know we're kind of burning our Illinois information before we talk about that game, but <laughs> yeah, let's move on to Maryland thirty-eight, Indiana thirty-three. Uh, the big news here is that Talia Tungavailoa leaves in the fourth quarter with what looks like a season-ending injury. Uh, so Maryland just cannot. 
cannot avoid these. So they have no. Wake Forest transfer Billy Edwards Jr. step in and lead a game-winning drive without completing a pass. That's uh I mean, are they trying to get into the Big Ten West? Are they? Are they? <laughs> I don't think they'd turn that down. No, they would not. They would not. I mean, just another just painful loss for Indiana. So it's early fourth quarter. They actually have a 27-24 lead. They actually have the ball, but they uh, they couldn't couldn't close out. Instead, um, over the game's next five drives, they get outscored 14 to nothing by the Billy Edwards-led Maryland offense. And it just uh, – this was ugly. They only gained 20 yards on their two drives in that stretch with the game still on the line. And when Maryland had the ball, they gave up uh, three back-breaking third-down conversions, the first on a penalty, the second on a 31-yard run by Billy Edwards. That set up their go-ahead touchdown. And then on third nine, Hemby gashed him on for 46 yards. That set up the uh, game icing touchdown. So just Indiana looked great in the second and third quarter, and then it just all fell apart for them in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I don't mean to, like, cheer the fact that they had their backup quarterback in, but it was just right there for Indiana without, without Tony Valoa and with the lead and the ball. And they, they still couldn't, couldn't figure out, figure out a way to get it done. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty bad for Michigan and just in terms of like tiebreakers, if it comes down to that for a playoff spot, uh, because you got to win over Maryland. Maryland's looking pretty good. They're five and two, Yeah, but they got their starting quarterback just got knocked out. They got Penn state and Ohio state left on the roster. I mean, on their on their schedule, so it looks like you know at best they're going to be eight and four. And with Tonga Vailoa, I thought they would have had a shot at Penn State. You get, I mean, I guess that's a team that Michigan also played, but you really wanted them to beat Wisconsin and Northwestern so that you know you get to the fringe top twenty five team. That's yeah, helpful. Mm-hmm. And 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 instead, those games are up in the air now for the Terrapins. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a, a terrible strength of schedule. Uh, development. Yeah, and, and I know they're not going to get credit for it now, but that was a, a real team when Michigan faced them. Like, that was peak Maryland. That, that's what happens with Maryland every year, right? Like, they're yeah. good up until the Yeah, we got October Maryland. Not... Yeah. And, I, I, and I I 100% agree with your um, sentiment that Maryland could have given Penn State a game with a healthy Talia. Remember, in 2020, they ran them off the field to Tylea to Rakeem Jarrett combination, they couldn't stop. And last year, I mean, it was a one-score game, and they and Penn State had like third and 20, and I think they hit Parker Washington on like a 70-yard you know, touchdown with like five minutes to go. So that, that kind of clinched that game. So Maryland's been with Penn State two years in a row. So Maryland might not be out of this game because Penn State's rushing defense might have been exposed this week. Uh, might have been. <laughs> so, I mean, Maryland does have a running game. They got – you know, they have guys who can block, and they've got running backs. So yeah, I'm not counting them out entirely, but it's a little rough losing Talia. I mean, I just feel so bad for the guy. Like, you know, he's finally putting together a season where he looks like he'll be very draftable. His brother's going through what his brother's going through, and then mm-hmm. he's fallen to the uh, Maryland quarterback curse, and it's just like, your last name is too cool for this. Yeah, I mean, they were they were set up to be a nice nice story down the stretch. I mean, maybe nine and three, maybe ranked going into a bowl game, chance to maybe even win ten games with a bowl win. Um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a setback. You know, not just for him, but for the program. You know, this is this has been a program that's only been able to incrementally get better in the Big Ten East, and and now, I mean, you know, what is what is Talia do? Does he come back to Maryland if this is a season-ending injury, or does he just kind of kiss college goodbye? 
I mean, you know, who, you know, who really knows, but so what looked to be a fun fall for Maryland is now completely, you know, upside down. Yeah. Our it's final, Oh, sorry. Our final game of the week, Illinois 26, uh, Minnesota 14 in a game that was not nearly as close as the final score. Tanner Morgan mm-hmm. is held to 21 yards on four of 12 passing when, when he's uh, knocked out of the game in the fourth quarter after taking a hit to the head. Uh, his backup comes in and throws it two picks. Oh, you got to say the name. Nope. <laughs> uh, but net yards in this were 472 to 180, a complete decking by by Illinois, but they just can't – how did they – they must have just had to kick a million field goals. Like, Minnesota also had all three turnovers in this game. Mm-hmm. This box score looks like a 50 to nothing game. Yeah. This well, was the other uh, Michigan-Penn State game. Because yeah. they just had they they had forty minutes of possession and everyone would talk be talking about that if Michigan didn't like even do more than that. Yeah, uh, Illinois only had one touchdown in five red zone trips, oh. so they settled for four field goals. And in in what's obviously been a renaissance season for Illinois, there's one glaring stat that still looks like you know Illinois. It's blinking old Illinois, and that's the fact that they're 125th in red zone touchdown rate, and and. You know, they just, uh, I mean, they had like a pair of seven minute field goal drives yesterday in the second half. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And they got, they, 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 they stalled within the 10 yard line. So yeah, you know, just a little bit more efficiency in the goal to goal situation. And, and this, this is a 34, 10 romp job and uh 34, 14 romp job rather. And also one of Minnesota's touchdowns came after a 92 yard kickoff return to start the second half. So they had a four yard touchdown drive. The Gophers did mm. so. This 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 really was just way more dominant than the twenty six fourteen final score, and so Chase Brown is their workhorse. Forty one carries in this game. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's fairly big, but this is someone who you know might be kind of wearing down. Maybe not in this game, but as we get towards the Michigan game at the end of the season. Yeah, forty one carries, one hundred and eighty yards. Three catches for 53 yards, including a 50-yard TD on a wheel route. Illinois ran 86 plays. He had 44 touches. That's quite wow. a workload. But he's definitely up for it. I mean, this is what they do, you know, almost every week. Um, 103 yards after contact. He forced nine missed tackles. You know, he's just uh, he's just quite a load. What Illinois does is they use a lot of motions and shifts, and they keep the defense off balance. And that sort of helps because they don't really have any downfield passing attack. Their leading, their leading catcher, Isaiah Williams, has like over 50 targets, but his average depth of target is less than five yards. So they really don't have any downfield. Um, yeah, he was the kid they were playing at quarterback early in his career, right? Correct, correct, correct. So they sort of try to, you know, trick you pre-snap and they try to find where the advantages are and then they and they run at it. So, you know, you got, you got to be really well scouted and well drilled to know know how to play Illinois. And really until – until this year, we didn't have any of this stuff on film, you know, because this is, a, you know, still a brand new regime. I have a couple of post-game quotes. Yeah. Uh, Chase Brown says, it hurts. Okay. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. But I just have to take my recovery to a whole new level and just come back stronger. And then Ooh. Bert said, uh, he won't be doing much this week. You guys could hang out with him for all I care. <laughs> oh, Okay. So if uh, Chase Brown I, wants I'll go, to be... I'll go down there. I'll go down there November 13th or so and hang out with them if, if they want. Uh-huh. You know, I'll keep them up all night. 
Did you guys, I, there's no way anyone remembers this. He played Michigan when he was at Western Michigan. Chase Brown? Chase Brown. There was like that one drive at the end of a Western Michigan game. No one's remembering this. But like at, at the end of a Western Michigan game that Michigan just dominated, they have like a drive that annoys everybody against our backups. And it's because their running back is just like breaking tackles and getting like, I think he got like two 30-yard carries in a row. Hmm. That was Chase Brown. If anyone's remembering this all of a sudden, that was actually Chase Brown. He's that's how long this guy's been around too. Like, <laughs> like so he did he play against Michigan in twenty nineteen? He was not on the Illinois team in twenty nineteen against Michigan. That's correct. That's correct. He was okay. on the Western right. Michigan team that year. Okay. And Interesting. yeah, and then transferred to Illinois. I mean, back to, to Minnesota here, like they look like an offensive juggernaut and they Ibrahim's back in this game, and he actually has a great game. 15 carries, 127 yards. He looks basically like himself. And then nobody else on the team does anything. Mm-mm. I mean, is this Illinois defense, like, for real, for real? I mean, I, I I definitely think the Illinois defense is for real. I also think the Minnesota offense is kind of bad. I mean, we know who Tanner Morgan is at this point. Yeah, but Tanner Morgan and is he was in, just, like, he was 4 just 12 for 21 yards. Yeah, he was just easy pickings. I mean – So the quintessential Illinois play yesterday, I thought, was um, Minnesota has the ball. They're starting a drive, and they're throwing it on first down, breaking a tendency, right? That should should be very helpful. Yeah. But Illinois is all over the RPO. And easy pass breakup by Devin Witherspoon, who I believe is, you know, leading the Big Ten in pass breakups. And then the next play, and this is where we always talk about how they're like the new Wisconsin. The next play, instantly, two guys from the outside – are on Tanner Morgan. He throws off his back foot, wobbly pass. Somehow there are three Illinois defenders surrounding the one, the the one Minnesota receiver. Easy interception, and you know that sets them up for a, a short field uh, uh, field goal in the in the first half. But you know those were two times where Minnesota is trying to pass on an early down, and Illinois just ate it up both times. And you know we've talked before about how Tanner Morgan isn't going to beat you, and yesterday. A quarterback that you needed a quarterback who could find a way to beat that. You know, Michigan has a quarterback who could probably beat you. Ohio State has a quarterback who can obviously beat you. Tanner Morgan, not so much. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota is just such an RPO based team that, mm-hmm. like, I remember the what was it, the twenty twenty yeah, the twenty twenty game where I was like, it took me a little bit to scout them. I'm like, oh, this is exactly what they do. And then Don Brown was like, ah, I know exactly what they do. And Michigan was o- overplaying it. So like that, they fall back on that, and they brought back you know PJ Flex, old uh, offensive coordinator, um, mm-hmm. was it Sirocco? He was uh, he was with Penn State for a little bit, and then came back again. So like they doubled down on that whole pl- game plan, and you know Illinois is a good team at scouting you, and I think that might be the thing about because guess who else is really good at scouting you? Indiana, mm-hmm. and I, I and like that's a oh I'm sorry Indiana beat Illinois, but like that's that's a very they're they're well coached. I know you got into the mm-hmm. whole like Seth, Seth gets on people's co- coaching or whatever, but Illinois is a well coached team, and I think Minnesota's problem is when they come up against teams that are really good at seeing what they do and preparing and preparing their guys for it, which is not as easy as it sounds. Um, no, it's not. that's that's a that's a problem that Minnesota has. Well, I mean, well, this Illinois defensive coordinator is an interesting guy. So he's thirty six, and he's mm-hmm. been a coordinator for this is his seventh year already. Wow. So he was in his 20s, and he was the co-DC at Mizzou. And they have a coaching change. You know, they, they fire uh, uh, Gary Pinkle. No, wait, they fire Barry Odom, and they hire Elijah Drinkwitz, and he stays. Like, they, they do not 
flip him over. They keep him, and then Illinois is able to pry him. I don't know why he's leaving for Illinois, but Big Ten money. I mean, well, they got versus SEC, SEC money, money yeah. but oh, like maybe yeah. he just would. I mean, he thinks the playing field's more even in the Big Ten West, but he, so he shows up last year. And they take off this year on defense. They were actually pretty decent on defense last year, too. Mm-hmm. So this guy might be someone to look out for in terms of uh, moving on up in the college football world. Because this is unprecedented yeah, were... in a sense. Like, who were those like defensive ends that were like top-tier NFL draft picks like 20 years ago? Oh, like Whitney Simeon Mercilet. Simeon Rice. <laughs> That's Simeon the last Rice. time yeah. Illinois' defense was this good. Yeah. Well, I mean – yeah, they were – I think they cracked the top 30 in defic- defensive efficiency a year ago, and I think they're sitting in the top 10 uh, right now. And uh, kind of getting back to that scouting theme, um, their, their early down passing success success rate was just 12% compared to Illinois' 63%. And and that was just a big difference in the game. Whenever, whenever any of these teams broke their tendencies early and went to the air – DeVito in Illinois found success, and Tanner Morgan in Minnesota just found a lot of failure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks, Jamie. We'll but, talk to you next week. Oh, yeah. Hey, no else. problem, guys. All right. Yep. Thanks. No problem. <sighs> Only four games this week, so. Yeah. A little, <coughs> little awkward ending. Yeah, that was kind of strange. Sorry. Should we do that again? Right. It happens. I mean, how often, you know, we're trying to, like, we don't have much annual material to fall back on when it comes to talking about good things about Illinois. So we're, yeah. we're allowed to be a little speechless sometimes at their, <laughs> right. at their progression. The only thing I was going to bring up was the, that ridiculous touchdown rate stat, but I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Yeah. I was surprised we didn't talk about the end of the Michigan State uh, regular uh, – end of regular time at Michigan State, yeah. end of the fourth quarter. Oh, like the that was, field goal botch? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's not really relevant for us going forward, I guess. Yeah. This seems like The only thing that was disappointing to me about that – was I, at first when they ran it the first time, or, or before we saw the replay, I thought it was a fake. Like, I thought they were trying to fake. <laughs> I was ready. I was, re- I was ready with some tweets. Out, what are you going to call that? And then the replay showed the bad snap, and I was like, oh, I've got no joke. And then, I mean, we didn't really mention that Jaden was just awesome. Well, uh, that's, 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 that's not news thing. either. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's. Well, uh, you know, there's what 13, 13 blog days until the Michigan State game. We'll so talk about time, that guy. Yeah. Plenty of time to talk about Jaden Reed. He was great. He threw and caught a touchdown in overtime. <laughs> All, right. Uh, All right. We'll see you. Take care, guys. Yep. See Listen to a... All right, just keep that one. <laughs> Dave Nasmith, Seth Fisher, Brian Cook, we're out. Yeah.